Gotham, a crazy podcast about DC, with your hosts E-Rock and PD, when we speak up, get your geeks up, cause you know you about to get geeked up, so sit back, relax, and get comfy, lose your mind like Solomon Grundy, and listen to a show that won't be forgotten, coming straight out of Gotham. And hello, everybody out in fandom. Welcome to another episode of Straight Outta Gotham, episode 64. We are a fandom pop culture podcast and a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Make sure you check out all the other great shows on the network by heading on over to batmanonfilm.com. Click that drop down and just uh, there's a buffet from ELTD to Gotham Outsiders, the Batman Book Club, to the Rick Shoe Satellite Show, Straight Outta Gotham, Italians for Spite. There's tons. Just go there, check it out. There's something for everyone and it's uh, just not just Batman. Uh, I am your co-host from the other side of the Hudson River. I am a senior contributor to Batman on Film. I am Peter R. Vera, and today we're recording on February 5th, 2022. As always, we have a great show for you today. But before we get into the good stuff, I'd like to remind you, all of our faithful listeners, if you take the time to rate and review the show on uh, Apple Podcasts, and we read your review on air, you win a special Straight Out of Gotham prize. So you got to be in it to win it. Get those reviews in like Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, let me introduce you to my partner in crime, the man who on this date won Grandpa Tony's 1994 Garlic Knots Eating Championship with a whopping 85 knots in under 12 minutes, a fellow Batman on film contributor, ladies and gentlemen, the champion of Long Island, Eric Holzman. Hello there, Pete. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm stuffed. Uh, my question is, how long does it take for you to get that garlic scent out of your breath? You know, you after know what? eighty-five knots. After like the twentieth knot, you don't even taste the garlic anymore. You're it's just kind of numb. Yeah, it's just kind of in there, so it makes it, it. It's a lot easier to get past the rest of those. Uh, but yeah, you, it's kind of like the hot dog eating thing. You need to drink a little water to help it go down because garlic knots, if. If they're made well, you shouldn't need to um, grease them up because if they're oily and good, then it's easy to eat. But sometimes okay. after a while, like I said, you're eating garlic, so your mouth starts to get a little dry. <laughs> so you need to, so you need to help help it out a little bit with a little bit of water and stuff. And yes, there's also some vomiting that goes on after those That's contests. So gross. Because you know, it's it's you know, once you get to that point, you just Ask any competitive eater. I'm not Joey Chestnut or Kobayashi. I mean, I'm not those that level. Though I don't know how they could do that with hot dogs because hot dogs just have a total different kind of reaction to people. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, today I'm going to do my own little uh, eating thing today. I've got my liver in the fridge. I'm going to try to do a, a little liver king action today with uh, some <laughs> some raw livers. So I'll give it a shot and see if I uh, I can get pumped. <laughs> Oh, God. What are you doing, man? Uh, I spend too much time on Instagram. (laughs) Clearly you do because that liver is – look, I am very adventurous when it comes to eating. I will eat a lot of things. Liver is not on the list. I will. It was not. very cheap meat. I only paid five dollars. Yes, I only had was... to kill somebody for it to get this liver. That's all I had to do. <laughs> Wait a minute. Who is that? I, I don't know. Someone's invading our show. Someone's coming into our show. Oh, that, well, that would make sense. This is the first show that's leading off guest month, so uh, we should just introduce our guest, who probably is here to challenge you for one of your many I championships. I know. So. Guys, if you, as Pete mentioned, this is our guest month. We are we will have a guest on each week of the four weeks of um, February, and our very first guest is of course Tim Rooney, who is also a fellow Long Islander like myself. That's why Pete said there's going to be some, there might be some friction uh, between us. I'm Nassau, he's Suffolk. There's always that kind of you know 
There's always that rivalry there the hanging out. High school football rivalry. <laughs> I mean, I don't see it as a rivalry. I mean, I just I just assume my superiority is a Suffolk County person. Ah, Smoking like a true New Yorker. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I was wondering, like, before we hit record, a, a thought ran to my head. Can this show get more tri-state with the inclusion of me on here? I mean, like, I just wonder, like, how more obnoxious can it be? Like, all right, I'm going to think, what's the words that I can pronounce that makes me sound the most Long Islander? I'm like, all right, water, coffee, drawer, um, yeah. and so on and so forth. But like, once you guys start mentioning livers, I'm like, uh, I feel like I have to say something before I uh, – or maybe I should leave you alone. I don't know. Liver alone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll play into news later in the show. Yeah. Yes, yes. But uh, Tim, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, thanks for the support and being a fan of the show. Uh, I don't know if a lot people who follow you probably know this, but um, you're a filmmaker yourself, and and I know you're you've working on a project now that you've talked about, been pretty public about. Uh, that I'm still waiting for my script for, by the way. But uh, go ahead and let people know what's going on with you and your filmmaking and. Yeah, I, I, I handed the script to the guy who claimed to be the Pony Express, and he's going to be delivering it to you. I just don't know where it happened. I, he may have had, he may have had uh, typhus, so the way he was delivering it to you, or, or, what the other, snow, maybe or the, the snow, snow, or whatever old-timey uh, affliction happens to people in the Old West. Uh, yeah, I am currently, like I said, uh, before I even get there, first off, thank you to you two gentlemen for having me on. It's actually a lot of fun, and it, it's always to you it's always fun to listen to a show that you have like a it's always good to listen to shows that you have like experiences you've never you have no real connection to so you can broaden yourself a little bit but also have shows that you can kind of identify with and you two gentlemen being in the tri-state area it obviously makes it like oh i can identify with these two uh so thank you for having me on and to plug what i'm doing right now at least um yeah, like I, I'm a filmmaker and a podcaster, and like one of two projects I'm working right now is a Batman fan film, uh, Batman Unmasked. And I was literally last night talking to a friend of mine who I went to school with who works in locations in New York City, and there's some really cool ideas that we may have be able to pull off, like places that were used for the Daredevil TV show that we may end up using for this. So, yeah, and like I'm hoping to shoot by the end of March or early April and see where it takes me there. I got somebody working on the score. I got somebody working on the VFX. I have a lead actor cast and yeah, things are coming together and I can't wait to share more of it as it comes together. That's very interesting. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind whenever someone tackles a Batman fan film is what is the suit going to look like? Because uh, I feel like that's one of the most important elements. And, you know, obviously you want it to look as good as possible. And you're probably working on a very tight budget. Yeah, I am working out of pocket for this. And like it's the it's the one question I, I still haven't made a decision on what I'm going to do right now. Like, do I either a because like, it's like. Batman is like kind of the secondary character in the story and he like doesn't have that many lines of dialogue. So I thought like, do I a either hire a cosplayer and try and make that person act or B do I find an actor and find a suit that could probably fit that person? So that's the decision. That's the biggest decision. I've not made a, a choice on just yet, but once that, once ever I make that decision, I'm going to commit to it and I'm going to fight whatever battles that happens with whatever choice. The life behind the lens. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so how long, uh, this particular story, how long have you had it in your mind? How long have you been working on it? Uh, I, like, I've had this idea, like like the 
premise for it i've had for like maybe like maybe two years or so like how like be kind of a cool idea just like just something it's pure suspense um like i will admit that it will be in black and white just for budgetary reasons because even if the suit is not the greatest i feel like you can kind of get away with a little bit more of it being in Mm -hmm. black and white Mm -hmm. i know some people are already like oh this pretentious douche uh making a black and white batman film but what's the aspect ratio no it's going to be in 16 by 9 or 185 i'm not going to do it four by three i am not that obnoxious i was actually talking to uh a friend of mine who another podcaster well i told him this he's like first question is it in four by three and i'm like no he's like oh thank god i have to block you otherwise and i'm like no 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 uh but no i'm making i may be making a horror movie in october that's kind of like a throwback to universal horror movies that will be in four by three but i think that's appropriate okay. I can dig yeah. that. I love those yeah. old Universal monster movies. I love uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. It might be my favorite. Oh, it's such a good one. And the score for that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Clint Eastwood, I think his first ever acting role was like the third Creature uh, creature movie, I believe. He yeah, played, like, as a, a scientist. scientist really, yeah, early on in the movie. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Blink of an eye, you'll miss him. <laughs> delivering a monologue of information just like a techno babble dump. And I'm like, you don't give a lot of lines to Clint Eastwood. That's not his strong suit. He admits that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's very true. It's weird. I remember, I remember watching some old Westerns. Uh, it's funny. Pete and I were talking about this before you came, uh, you came in and uh, before we went on air. And I remember watching some old Westerns. I remember seeing actors in there who went out, like who had very small parts who went on to have really large career, big careers. Uh, so it's just funny that you brought Clint, up Clint Eastwood with that because it just it rung in my mind, just rung in my mind that that um, um that the, the western. So you got to so, start Tim, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's course. true, man. Yeah, you got to get your first job, get your foot in the door, right? That's what you got to do. So, Tim, that that sounds great, man. I'm looking forward to seeing what this this thing, especially since you just told us that Batman doesn't have a lot of lines, and mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm really interested now into what the story is actually about. So you don't tell us. Don't tell us. Just keep it to yourself. And mm-hmm. I, I want to be. I'm getting like that now. Of even with the Batman, uh, I know Pete put in the rundown. You guys could talk about it, but I didn't listen to the Riddler track. So when we get to that part of it, which cracks me up because Eric was one of the first people to watch the funeral scene. <laughs> so I he learned his lesson. Listen to this. Wait for the movie, but watch this scene. <laughs> no, I got tricked into watching the funeral scene. That's what happened. I got tricked okay. into it. Yes. To um. Tom McClellan, everyone knows Tom McClellan. He sent me a WhatsApp link, and I was like, "Oh, what the hell is this?" And I click on it, and it's the funeral scene. So yeah, I'm like, you "Okay, just turn it off." Yeah, you I was gonna to say, you, like, did you lose motor focus? No, to to no, I, you're right. I could have, but I don't know. I just stuck with it, and I watched it, and then I was just like, <laughs> "Screw it, I don't want to do any more of that, though. No more going forward. I can't." Well, I mean, I've stopped watching official trailers a um, long time ago. Like, so yeah, so. I don't. So I didn't. I and I didn't have a good experience with the first the Batman song. We can talk about that one. Let's talk about that now. Since we're talking about it, I'll just put it out there. Uh, so we'll start, we'll lead with that. The, there's been two singles released or two tracks released from the score for the Batman. One was the Batman and the other one is Riddler. Now I listened to the Batman uh, one when it first hit and I only liked the parts I had already heard. I didn't like the whole middle section of that track. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, it's all all over the place. And again, listening to something like this out of context, not seeing the movie, it might be different when I, I see I agree the with film. you on that. I agree with you on so that. So I don't know. But just as a song, for me, it didn't work. So, Tim, you're the guest. What did you think of the Batman track? Uh, the Batman track, it, it surprised me because of that middle section. And 
Like, I was worried, and it's been a minor concern for the Batman that it would be too um, too dark and gritty for its own sake, where it becomes like it becomes like almost like a chore uh, to read, or I mean, to read to to watch, but. Having that bridge, that middle section that is kind of hopeful, showing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel for this character in this iteration of Batman, gave me a lot of hope. And funny enough, it reminds me of the track Harvey Two-Face off the Dark Knight soundtrack, which is, like, we don't hear that often in the Dark Knight. I mean, like, we don't find snippets of it, but it has a very hopeful sound to the Harvey Dent character. And which I found out originally that was supposed to be, that was a secondary theme for Batman written form for Batman begins, but was never used. Hmm. And, and I'm like, okay, I can kind of see that. And then like how it ends with that huge crescendo, like the, there was like three notes that like repeat itself until it gets louder and louder. until it blows you out of the theater. I think it's really good because you kind of need those peaks and valleys in a song. And that's why I was really excited with uh, the Batman theme. Yeah, uh, the Batman theme. I got. I, here's the thing: there was a there's a lot of really good reactions from fans online saying it's the greatest thing ever. To me, I, I couldn't really, I can't make that claim <laughs> just yet. I gotta, I gotta see it in the film and judge it in that context. But um, I, I really like. Uh, I'm gonna butcher his name, uh, Giacchino. I, I think that's how, that's not. How yeah, you know, yeah, that's it. Oh, is it Giacchino? I, I really love what he did with Spider Man. So I was really looking forward to this. I felt like his Spider Man score. It felt familiar, but it felt new. Uh, this was interesting. Uh, I like the book ending parts, the middle part. It kind of caught me off guard because I wasn't expecting that. Um, but I put it to the test and I read some Batman comics to it and it, it, it seemed to like work better. <laughs> but that's what I do. Like usually no, when I that's read, awesome. usually when I do that, I'm listening to like Elfman or Goldenthal. It's like no offense to Zimmer or Junkie XL, but like those are like usually my two go-to scores when I'm reading. Um, and, and it worked. It, it, it kind of like set the tone and I really, I really felt it. I was reading uh, Batman 120 by Williamson. So that was, that was interesting um and it, it's i can't say it's it's gotta like i've got to warm up to it i gotta i gotta i gotta listen to it a lot like i've been listening to these scores i mean especially elfman and goldenthal for like years you know like i can recite them like effortlessly uh if that's the proper term for that but uh you know i i, I dig it i'm gonna see it in the movie i think it'll if once you put it in the film and see where it goes and what's going on with it i think i could like it better but off the bat i kind of say like was i slightly disappointed in it because i wanted to love it yeah but like was that my own expectations that's kind of how i feel like i, I might have hyped this up in my head a little bit too much but I don't think it's bad, but I don't think it's amazing. It's it's just good. Yeah, I mean that's that's. I mean, I think we all when we got because we got that first part. Obviously, when the when the little teaser came out, we heard that part of the theme. Yeah. So you in our head, we already kind of probably had an idea of what we thought the rest of it would sound like. You definitely and shocked then, me with that middle right. part. And then when it doesn't, you're kind of like. So that could be part of it too. And again, I I haven't seen the movie, so in context, it might be totally different, and it might completely work. And I might say, yeah. And then after seeing the movie, I'll be able to listen to it, knowing what it's going to. So it, that's very possible that that'll that'll happen going forward. So as I said, I did not listen to the Riddler track, but I know you guys did. So I have heard reactions to it. Uh, I a lot of people just like the Batman track or have very mixed feelings. I think this one had a little bit more negative reaction than really? the Batman one, from what I've heard from people. But I'll let you guys go, Pete. Go ahead. 
I like this so much more than the Batman theme, actually. Like this just it feels it feels very villainy to me. Like it just it feels creepy. I almost feel like it could be in like a horror movie. It starts off very slow and then it just kind of like really just gets you at the end. It just goes up and up and up. And like I kept thinking of like for some reason the opening scene of Scream kept popping in my head. Casey answers the phone and it's kind of creepy and like kind of scary. And then, you know, as she's like running out of the house, it's when it would really like crescendo and get really big. Um so I really liked it. I can't wait to see where this song uh, happens in the film. Um, you know, and I'm surprised usually like, you know, I, I love the Batman themes. I love all of them, but this Riddler theme, I really, I really felt uh, really kind of like attached to it. And I'm, I'm really psyched for that. So I definitely like the Riddler theme more than the Batman theme, but uh, I don't hate the Batman theme. Tim. Yeah. Like I, like maybe it's because I think I was the reverse of it. Not saying I didn't like the Riddler theme because I don't think it just grabbed me as much as the Batman theme, but I don't think I was his intention. I don't think it was his point was to be a, triumphant score for the Riddler theme because he's the antagonist of the story here but it, it kind of like it sucks you in with like the kind of acquired emotion like it they're structurally the same they both they both bookend with the same kind of like chords and progressions everything and it's the middle that it changes it up mm-hmm. and but that's where it gets really interesting in the middle of it where it becomes like oh this is a villain's theme and that's why, like, it made me it made me lean in and listen to it. And I can only imagine because we've only seen glimpses in the trailers that looks like some kind of I don't know the levees break in Gotham, and it looks like some kind of flooding happens at least briefly. I imagine that's a, by Riddler's design. I can I can hearken a guess that we'll probably hear that music when his plot is going through and having that happen. So I can kind of see. I'm making a guess there. Um, but yeah, I am really curious to see what's going to work like in the movie. And I think that's one thing that I feel like we all should have learned by now since Batman Begins is that context is king. Oh, yeah. And because I remember when the Tumblr was first revealed, people were like, the hell's that? Yeah. that that's, that's the Batmobile? That doesn't look yeah. like a Batmobile. Or Heath Ledger's first reveal, like Heath Ledger, that's the Joker. All right, if you say so, and we've all laid our words since then, and I think, I think people have not remembered that, and especially this one, people are just like, oh my god, it looks like shit. Look, 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 look at the cow, or or the or the Batmobile, or what have you. Oh please, or yes. like bullets are bouncing off Batman. Which, <laughs> That's not the Riddler. <laughs> yeah, I'm like yes. Uh, um, yes. I mean, I, I do. I will call cry foul if we don't have a scene of Robert Pattinson taking off the bat suit and it's just his whole chest is black and blue from stopping all those bolts, and his whole chest is just bruised. Like, I will cry foul if that does not happen because like, he's <laughs> he's taking machine gun fire and just walking through it. I'm like, Batman's mm, supposed to be able to evade kind of stuff. Like, he's not like Superman. That's the only like thing I cry foul on. But that is minor compared to everything else I've seen so far. Yes. Yeah, so as as I said, I didn't listen to this Riddler, but I do remember the original Riddler track from the Batman Forever soundtrack, which was performed by Method Man. <laughs> the Riddler. Um, yes. And that that song, I mean, I think I'm older than both of you guys. That song when it came out was divisive among his hip hop fans. And this is at a point where Method Man was huge, right? This was right after Wu Tang Clan hit the oh, scene. Oh, why they called him a sellout? They were no, they didn't call him a sellout. The song itself is just very weird, even though it's really just a slowed down 
of track from the Batman sixty six theme. It's real. That's really all it is. Um, that that the RZA kind of did that to. Uh, but yeah, so that track I always liked from the beginning. Uh, so maybe this one when I hear it, I'll eventually like it. But I'm it's funny you myself- bring that up. I yeah. just found out that that Method Man song had an EP. So there's there's a there's a remix. There's uh, there's an instrumental, and there's I think there's two remixes. So it's interesting. I love the I love the beat. So I I bought it for the instrumental, but it is that Batman Forever soundtrack. There was a lot of good music on there, yes. not just the Riddler, um, yeah. but there are some great CLU two, uh, you know, just and Batman and Robin as well. The best thing to come out of that movie was the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, I wish I kind of missed that. A lot of films don't have those kind of soundtracks anymore. I mean, obviously Guardians does like Guardians Suicide, Squad, Squad, did. Uh, the Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad movie, yeah, yeah. But I kind of miss the the soundtrack with the with the popular artists. I guess doing a soundtrack for a film we don't really get a lot of that anymore so i miss the uh, old 80s kenny Loggins soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> top gun caddyshack over the top Footloose. yeah yeah Footloose, yeah. over the top yeah yeah kenny Loggins was kind of the soundtrack guy in the 80s. oh he was amazing think about it so all right so let's stick with the batman since we're going uh since we started with the batman i was going to end with it but we'll stick with it you know the, the show has a mind of its own so as we know uh the batman is just really the beginning um, to what we're going to get from this this version of the character, uh, we know that it's going to be an expanded Batverse. We knew about the um, the GCPD show they're doing on HBO Max. We heard about a Catwoman show they're doing on one, and of course, one that I know will be near and dear to Pete's heart is the Penguin uh, show that we'll be getting. So, uh, just really quickly, Tim, your excitement level for that for what's coming after the Batman? Because since it seems that this movie is going to be huge, everything we've heard so far from early viewings has been nothing but positive positive feedback right i mean i think that's just a the state of ip driven entertainment that you don't just have one entity as a you have to have kind of ancillary things of it um they like there is a book out there called you're gonna need a bigger story the 21st century survival guide not just telling stories but super stories and how you're able to build two or three stories off a single idea in different mediums and I feel like it's it's just smart for it. I mean, if there's enough fertile ground for it and able to make a satisfying story, I say, why not? Um, because there are times we've all seen like, oh, we have crumbs of an idea. We're going to try and stretch that out to make it an entire program and it'd be kind of like, well, did you have enough material for that? Um, Sounds very CW. And I love the CW. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I, like, I'm surprised. Like, people at, like just like I'm surprised Star Labs didn't get its own like spinoff sitcom from the CW. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I kind of want to see what I want to see what the the, the Penguin uh, show will be like in the GCPD. Like, I, I'm curious to see what it'll be like, and I just hope it'll come to fruition based on the success of the Batman. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me because when I sh- when I shared this, you know, I the, I used in the era of the shared universe, Matt Reeves is doing things differently, and he states in the in and we, this article is on Batman on film that he wanted to do his own basically universe, you know, mm-hmm. and I find that fascinating because it's just it's just Batman, you know, like it's in a time where everyone wants DC to be so different, but then they want all the cameos and they want all the interconnectivity that is basically the MCU. I feel like 
like fanboys kind of get confused or they're very conflicted. Like they don't know what they want. Right. But this is, this is a shared universe that I think we haven't really seen the likes of where it's, it's self-contained in its own, in itself. And it can tell its own story and it's not really dependent on what else is coming uh, from other characters. And I appreciate that. It's just, it's basically just like Gotham, you know, and it, it, that's what I'm really into. I want to, I want to explore that world as a Batman fan, first and foremost, you know, like, and if this GCPD show and this Penguin show somehow have a crossover, those are like the crossovers that I'm really into. Cops versus gangsters, like that, that could be really special. It makes it makes a lot of sense. And especially with what HBO and HBO Max are capable of with their shows. Just And you look at something like Peacemaker, which is connected to everything, but it seems so isolated by itself right now. Mm-hmm. But And then you combine the history of HBO series such as like, you know, uh, Oz or like the Sopranos and stuff, and they can really get down and dirty with these like cop and criminal shows. Uh, it's fascinating to me, and I appreciate the the difference, and I, I like that it's different because, you know, like at one point, like it's, you know, you mentioned how something has to be successful in order to have you know, it's a branch out. Well, like, it's like when people are complaining about not having a death stroke limited series. Well, you know, th- what happened before wasn't successful. So now we got something that's really hyped. She seems that people are really buying into this and we haven't even seen the movie yet. And if that's the case, then I think Warner brothers is making the right decision, you know, kind of putting their eggs in this basket here. Yeah. It was interesting to read our, um, Bill actually references in the in the piece on Batman on film that Reeves said that when he was writing the script, it just kept getting longer and longer and longer, and that these ideas are spawned out of the, the script that he was writing for the Batman. So it was just interesting to read that because in my head, I'm like, well, how much material did he actually write? Like what – I mean, obviously, Tim, you probably know better than all of us. When you write a script, you have to pare it down to fit a certain parameter, right, to fit in excuse me, to fit into your film. So it just makes me wonder what he cut out and then what we're going to see in these these uh, HBO Max dramas going forward. But Pete's right. HBO does things so great. And um, I'm glad that we're getting more from this universe. And I, I'm assuming we'll get a trilogy from the movies. And then I'm assuming everything in that, in this Batverse is going to in- intertwine and connect somehow. Yeah. So... Uh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. Uh, like, it reminds me of Sean Murphy's White Knight series, mm-hmm. where it's his own contained universe. Yes, he can have other characters in there, but no, this is strictly within the confines of his story. And, and I'm kind of kind of fascinated to see what it's like. Even it's got even the same color palette between the two of them. Now that I think about it, like if you think of like a lot of oranges and reds in Curse of the White Knight or yeah. White Knight in general, yeah. it's a great comparison. Um, but and the two other things I think of, I can imagine in a cartoon rendition of somebody looking at Matt Reeves' office and the door is warping outward, and somebody opens it and just pages upon pages come yep. flying out in a cartoon fashion. <laughs> And the other one is him in a boardroom and he pulls up a an easel and he's got like uh, something underneath the cover and he pulls it halfway. It's like it's Tony Soprano sitting in therapy like, oh, yeah, you guys like that. You guys remember that. And he reveals the other half. It's the penguin sitting in his chair in that photo shoot. And we're like, huh? Huh? We can do something with this. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. how he pitched the show to HBO, which I can kind of see. 
yeah, it's going to be really interesting uh, to see what we get coming from this because, and again, as we say all the time, the more content, the better. Like, just keep giving me more of this stuff, especially as long, as, him. As, long as it's good. They just, yep, as long it's as all it's that good. matters. Exactly. So, as we know, uh, in the Batman, the, the, we're getting a couple of villains, but the main villain and the main protagonist, sorry, antagonist, seems to be the Riddler. And, um, the inspiration that Reeves used for uh, the inspiration, he brings up the Zodiac Killer. There's an article in Collider where he talks about it. And um, obviously, this is, as Pete mentioned, it's a very different Riddler than what we're used to seeing. Uh, so he talks about the Zodiac Killer. He read the book Mindhunter, um, which is more of a very much more of a serial killer type of deal, which I think is the kind of the vibe we got, we've gotten so far anyway. Um, so first of all, have either of you read Mindhunter? I have and, not, no. I, no, I've read the book Zodiac by Robert Graysmith, which the movie Zodiac is based on, but right. I've not read Mindhunter. Okay. But you have, obviously, you said you read Zodiac. And if you've seen the movie um, as well, the Jake Gyllenhaal movie, um, you kind of have an idea, I guess, of what, where we're going, where he's going with this. So what did you, when you look at the Riddler character, Pete brought this up before, Tim, and what we're getting in this one and how different, and now you know um, Reeves is one of his inspirations. Uh how do you feel about it? Are you what's your I'm, interest level? I'm curious to see where it's going to go. I wonder if I, I mean, a lot of people say like, why is true crime true crime so popular? True crime's always been popular. It's just the it's just the mainstream audience is always is finally picked up on it. People have been interested in true crime since Lizzie Borden's days. So, um, and the fact that like, oh, the mainstream's like, oh, let's let's be let's obsess over true crime and. I think it's it's a valid way to take this character. I, I think Riddler, like many other, uh, I mean, a few of Batman's rogues are malleable enough to work like that. And I'm curious to see where it's going to go. I mean, I know one of the easy complaints you could probably label at this movie at the moment is like, oh, Matt Reeves is doing David Fincher does Batman. And, and that could be... And like when we see the movie, it may actually be true. It may actually be like 100%. No, no, you're absolutely correct in there. We don't know. But I like David Fincher and I like him taking on true crime. So I don't see it as a problem. I'm with you. When people want more comic accurate Batmans, I get that. But I'm curious. I, I My interest is peak to see what it's going to be like, especially a serial killer version of the Riddler. Yeah, I'm with you. You hit it. Like the whole serial killer, political terrorist angle really fascinates me. Um, just, you know, based off of like what's been going on in our own country, you could kind of say like there's these crazy wackos out there already. So it almost feels very relatable. That and like to me, like I, everyone brings up the Zodiac Killer and stuff like that. But to me, like I see a lot of like saw in this, not in like the crazy like schemes and everything, but the mind manipulation, you know, like mm-hmm. trying to outsmart you, outthink you, you know, like and that's the Riddler, right? Like the Riddler thing thinks he's smarter than Batman. He says it in the, you know, you're not as smart as you think you are. Like, you know, he's kind of testing him. He's teasing him. He's, he's toying with him. And to me, like, I think this Riddler might be more spot on than we actually give him credit for. I know he looks totally different. He's got this, you know, Vietnam military mask and he's wearing like these, these glasses and he's got, you know, he's got the same jacket I have when I go shovel snow. So it's, he looks very different, but you know, he's, he's toying with Batman. He's, he's, he's got green on to me. That's the Riddler. And I, you know, I appreciate 
I appreciate the differences and I, I'm excited for something fresh and new. And like we mentioned in the show earlier, remember when Heath Ledger was revealed, everyone's like, oh, he's not, he didn't fall to that acid. He's just wearing makeup. And it's like, I don't hear anyone complaining about Heath Ledger uh, anymore, like no. we said. So it's just, let's take it in the context of that film. Um, if you want something a little bit more comic accurate, I don't know, go watch Gotham. Uh, like, I don't know what to tell you. Batman Forever exists. Batman 66 exists. You know, 80 and, years of comics. Yeah, like the, the Riddler, he 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 has Animation. been adapted uh, yeah, over the years. Funny. I mean, I think recently Lee Bermejo drew a, a, a Riddler cover where he's wearing camouflage, but it's a suit. And like, I don't hear anyone complaining about that. Like he's wearing a dress suit made out of camo. So yeah, I appreciate the differences in people trying to take risks because that's what makes these characters live as long as they've lived. If, if they didn't change the characters, if it was the same thing over and over again, he wouldn't be around for 80 years. So, you know, like this is the stuff that's got to be done in order for him to survive another 80 years. So bring it on. Let me see what you got. And if it stinks, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, I think I think one of the problems in live action anyway is that um, if you keep doing the same type of portrayal, you're just mimicking the person that came before you. And I don't think you want to do that. Obviously, this is a very far stretch from the Jim Carrey version of the Riddler that we got in Batman Forever. And it's also it's also different than what we saw in Gotham, or some of us saw in Gotham. I know not everyone was a huge fan of that show, as we know Pete was not. But actually, I actually, that the Riddler, the villains on that show, as I've said many times, are one of the better things about it. So, um yeah, so we're getting a very drastic different take. And as you said before, just like with the music, in context of the film, it seems like from what we've gotten so far, it's going to work perfectly. So, uh, yeah, so I'm really looking forward. Obviously, we all are. All three of us are big fans of Batman, and I'm pretty sure we're all big fans of Matt Reeves as well. So um, I'm very, very much looking forward to And we know now we can buy tickets in five days. We're recording this on February 5th. February 10th, tickets go on sale. Now, Tim, where are you going to see the Batman? Now, like, I'm not the person who kind of freaks out whenever tickets go on sale. Like, when I saw Spider-Man No Way Home, I walked to the box office, got a ticket, and, and watched there. <laughs> Opening night. And I'm like, yeah. And yeah. I even tweet about, like, why is everybody freaking out? And I'm like, uh, sure, I was, like, four rows away from the screen. But, like, I can lean back. I can see it fine. But... Yeah, like I will be one of those punters and participating in the trying to getting two tickets because I want to see it in Dolby Atmos specifically because uh, the AMC near me, I think I like it better than the IMAX screen. I mean, sound wise, it's even better. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna try and get two tickets for my girlfriend and I, and be like, let's go! And it'll be, <laughs> it'll be like whenever you see two armies running into each other, like I imagine that's what it'll be like trying to get tickets for this. Pete, we are both – we will both – I think when the, the first time we can see it, we will both be in Texas. Uh, yes. I think the fourth is probably the first day they're going to have preview showings for it, which is the Thursday before the film – the day before the film comes out, which is the fifth. Um, our – I don't know. I know you're planning on going to a Mavs game, a Stars game. <laughs> you're planning on doing a lot of things in Dallas. Will you see it before – the watch party. Uh, it comes out the fourth, so I think the pre-tickets are the third. Okay. Um, yeah, I, here's the thing. Um, I know people, uh, Haas and Lauer, can't wait to see the movie with their friends. They've got to see it immediately. They can't drink some beers and watch some ball. But I'm, for me, like I, I'm going to see it for the first time at the watch party. Um, I'm going to be on vacation, so I'm going to be off Twitter. I'm not going to be spoiled at all. I'll be busy uh, eating brisket and drinking beers. Uh, I'll be having a good time, so I'm not really worried about that stuff. Uh, 
I'm for me, like I'm just excited to see it for the first time with my buddies. Like I kind of want. It seems like everyone else is going to see it early. Uh, I know Bill's got a, a press screening, I believe, yeah. and Ryan and Ryan and Ryan are going to see it before anybody else too. So I kind of want to have that like fresh out of the theater reaction. I don't want to go into it. I want to. I want to just. I want to be the one guy who's probably just like the pure. Like this is it. Oh wow, this is how everyone feels coming out of it for the first time. That's kind of what I want because I imagine we'll do some sort of uh, quick uh, YouTube uh, review thing. But um, I'm going to see it for the first time at the watch party, which I think is the fifth. So I just I'm excited. I don't have to worry about tickets. I know the old gunslinger's handling that. He's going to buy an entire row. So that's up to him. I to to be honest, like I don't care where we see it, how we see it, what side screen. I just I just want to see the movie. I'm so anticipating this. Uh, I just I'm I'm so jittery. I can't wait. I don't know if it's the caffeine or the Batman, but I am just I'm pumped. Why not both? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I mean, for Spider-Man No Way Home, like it was funny. Everyone was freaking out about those tickets, but I was able to buy tickets like like it was no big deal. I mean, I, I granted I didn't see the movie till like probably two days after release, but I didn't have a problem with that. And it, I, I've been muting my way to a peaceful heaven on Twitter, so nothing got spoiled <laughs> for me. So I'm not really worried about any spoilers or anything because I don't follow any uh, any of those accounts to begin with. Yeah, same thing for No Way Home. I remember everyone freaking out, and I did get tickets online. But I was able to get them fine. Like there was no problem. I got an opening night. I, <laughs> I didn't stay up and wait. And I'm like, no. I think Zipnik set up to like 4 a.m. to buy tickets. I'm like, dude, what are you? Yeah, doing? no, I, I didn't do any of that. I saw how, that there was actually a wait time on the first time I clicked. I'm like, you know what? I'll wait till the morning. I'm not. If I don't get tickets for that day, fine. And then I wound up getting them anyway. So it was. I laughed at all the people who waited, stayed up, and <laughs> clicking for, refresh yeah. like all if night. Guys, if you guys really like Garfield Spider Man this much, you would have had like five movies by now. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, man. Oh. Like, like, they make it sound like you could have gotten a PS5 easier than getting those tickets. And I'm yeah. like, come on. All right, relax. <laughs> yeah, I haven't decided. I, I'm pretty sure. Sh- I think I'm going to just like you, Pete. I think I'll just wait to see it with all you guys um, at the same time. Um, I didn't do that for Wonder Woman. When we went to the Wonder Woman watch party, I saw Wonder Woman here in New York before I went down to Texas to watch it with everybody else. So That I- was my first viewing as well for that film. Yeah, see, I had already seen it uh, because I was kind of nervous how that was going to be review- reviewed, and I wanted to be go with you guys with the with the group, knowing what I'm getting myself into. And that, those uh, were dangerous times back then. Yeah, they were. They were a little dangerous time, and it turns out again. It's, to this day, it's my favorite of of the DCEU. So and then I'm you very... did the same thing for JL. Well, I know because you walked me off the ledge. I was like, this movie's going to be absolutely, this is going to be horrible. I was like, oh, it's a live action cartoon. It's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, no, for JL, I I got a screener to go see that. I actually had gotten, someone sent me something. I got to see it early. Um, so I knew... I knew way in advance what that movie was gonna what, what that movie was, and, and that's why I kept telling you, Pete, relax. It's not going to be this disaster of a film that you think. Think it's not the greatest movie in the world. It was a disaster, but it no. turned out better than I thought. Right? It was like what we thought it would be. It was not that. Like that's what I think. That was the best thing. Like you're like, oh, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought. So stop acting like WB. Please come in outside the window. Yeah. Yeah, like it's okay, Pete. They'll survive from this. This is not, and I don't even know if they kind of did, but whatever. <laughs> Twitter right now, these BOF shills. Oh, oh God, oh, Warner Brothers, they're being paid. <laughs> yes, yes, we're being paid to say that. We're being paid to say that we like 
we kind of like a movie that <laughs> everyone thought was the movie originally. Yeah. Until we got the Zack Snyder cut that it wasn't anymore. I'm sorry. I don't want to go there, but I just thought I'd throw that out there because it seems to happen to us. We get lumped into these, these categories. Uh, anyway, I like daredevil, the movie. So like, there you go. Like I kind of like them all to be honest. That's what's got a bomb soundtrack. Yeah. That's yeah. A, I don't hate uh, Josh Trank's fantastic for either. So if we're just going to name bad superhero movies that I can still watch green lanterns. One. Of them. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I guess time kind of gives you that, you know the, the hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So you, if you that know what it is, yeah. if you know what it is, you're kind of more accepting of what you're getting. Yeah, I, I, like when I saw the Fan Four Sick uh, mm-hmm. with my girlfriend at the time, like the movie ends, she turns to me, and I'm just kind of like staring at the screen, and she asks, "Are you all right?" I said, "The movie cost one hundred twenty five million dollars." <laughs> a beat goes by, and I say. Where'd the money go? Yeah, uh, it went. It went to making uh, the thing sound like he was like grinding rocks oh, while he was talking. God. That might have been the best thing. About that, that was movie. a tough watch, man. Like, I was like, I'm surprised watch. that like was that used as advertiser for ointment or something like that. Yeah. Like, do you guys stick together? Don't be like the thing. <laughs> oh man, I, I didn't hate that movie, but I was just kind of like, oh wow, that was that was interesting. <laughs> All right, so guys. Uh, yeah, the Batman is is coming. That the, everyone knows the hashtag that Bill made. So the Batman is coming, and it is coming fast now. It's going to be here in a month, pretty much one month. So uh, looking forward to it, and we'll finally get to like really talk about the movie, not just guess and speculate. We'll finally get to really talk about it, and I can't wait for that. That's it's been be we've been awesome waiting fun. since 2017, right? Like they kind of like Matt Reeves was pretty much announced around the time of Justice League, so it's yeah. been a long time and yeah. I just I, I'm excited. I you know, like yeah. I was pumped for BVS. I remember when that was announced in like 20 was it 2014? That got me really pumped. But uh th- this I'm kind of over the top over the top for this. Solo Batman is really my jam. Um, I love solo stories in general, so I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, one of the things, and not to go, not to stay too long on this topic. One of the things I do like about this is not really an origin story, right? We're kind of getting him in, yeah, early in his career, but not in the beginning of his career, very beginning of his career. So that's another thing that's kind of different, I think, um, that we're getting with this. So unless you think '89 is kind of the same. Uh, that's kind uh, of ambiguous. is a little different because it's not an origin story, but it is. Right. The, it's basically like his the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, I, I'm I'm with you. Like, I always just kind of wanted to like, can you just give us a story where he's just he's there? You know, yeah. he, he's been doing this for a while, and we're just in it. The universe is established, and Snyder kind of did that with his Batman and BVS. Like, he just kind of appears because he's mm-hmm. been fighting crime for 20 years. So, like, I, I can appreciate that. It's something that hasn't really been done too often. I think. Yeah. So, one month. Here we go, guys. Yep. Buckle in. Buckle in. All right. So moving right along, we're going to go now to – we're going to stick in D.C., uh, stick in the HBO Max area. Uh, as everyone – as you guys know and most people listening know, uh, D.C.'s Titans is one of my favorite um, TV shows to come out of uh, – to come from DC, actually, it's it might be number one. I go back and forth. Well, maybe now Peacemaker, I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, but we have some casting news. So there are three new cast members for season four of DC Titans. Uh, Joseph Morgan and Franca Potente have been cast, and Morgan will play Sebastian Blood or Brother Blood, 
Uh, and Potente will play May Bennett and Mother Mayhem. Then there's also a third casting announcement, and I don't want to screw up her name, so let me just say Lisa M. Balavanar, I guess. That's better than I could do. <laughs> she will play Jinx. Uh, now, Jinx, if I'm correct, is the was the head of the Fearsome Five. Am I right about that, guys? Uh, I, I, I don't know too much about that. I mean, she's kind of like a sorcerer. She's kind of like this right. magical being. Um, I know. I, I don't know too much about these three characters, but I do know that they are Titans villains. Um, yes, they're from the exciting. Yeah. And because, uh, you know, last season, we were pretty much uh, it was pretty much uh, a series of Batman. Yes. <laughs> it was a Batman yes. show. Yes. Uh, I'm excited. We're going back to Titans villains. Uh, I know that there's kind of like this cult uh, aspect involved with uh, I think it was like, uh, what's his name? The, the blood cult or whatever. So you have yes. two of those characters in mixed in with some sorcery. So I imagine we'll get um, uh, a little bit. Uh, Raven will have a little bit more to do. You know, I imagine magic versus magic will be a heavy play in this season. Um, so I'm excited again. Like it's I'm happy to have Titans villains because while I did enjoy last season, it just felt like all I got out of that season was like, I want a Batman TV show, you know, like that's what I really wanted out of that. And yeah. Uh, so Sam, what do you think? I have not watched the show since season one because that, like that season one finale, I was just like, Oh, F you. It's, it's a little no, rough. I'm just like, I was like, no, I have too much. I, I, I know this is going to sound like such a dick thing. I have too much self-respect for what little time I have on this earth. So I'm not going to continue with this show. <laughs> oh, my show. God. Uh, and then like how I hear like it, like as well as the second season with Deathstroke is, but how that season ends the same way. And I'm like, mm, no, yeah, thank you. The problem with season finales on this show. Yeah, even though this one was was okay, the last season three was the best of the finales. Um, I have issues with it. Don't get me wrong, but um, it was the best of the the three season finales of the show. And it's true, like they have. It's very much like they get to this point and then like completely fall off a cliff. <laughs> like it's not even, it's not even a steep, a gradual drop. They just kind of fall, bang, um, and shatter. So. Yeah, I, but I do love the show. I do like the. I've always liked the edginess of the show. I think maybe the. Sorry, but saying fuck is is kind of like too used too much in the show, and it just kind of gets thrown in there. You're kind of like they didn't need to say that there, but okay, whatever. I get what they're doing with the with the with the script of the dialogue. Eric, so I'm doing a little bit of googling, and it mentions that brother blood, brother brother blood. There we go. That's that was a tongue twister. Uh, appeared on Arrow. Um, I was wondering, do you remember this character? I if Arrow is one of the few shows I haven't watched. I'm curious. I vaguely remember him mm-hmm. on the show, um, and I do know. I do know Mother Mayhem, who the other one is. She like births these the Blood Brothers. Okay. Um, in some some form or fashion, I don't know much about the characters myself, but I do know, the little I do know. I kind of remember him. It wasn't a huge arc on Arrow, but um, that's one again. That's probably the other DC show that I really really enjoy or enjoyed when it was on. Uh, but it, it, like you said, these are Titans villains. So we're getting actual, we're going back to again, Destro, kind of like when Destro is a Titans villain, we're kind of getting um, back to that realm. And it's probably going to be more of a contained story. You're right uh, on the fearsome five, by the way, that she's yeah. the leader. So, yeah. So we're getting all that, which I'm looking forward to, to be honest, I'm looking forward to season four. Uh, I did. I real obviously everyone, most people did like season three, especially with the red hood angle and everything that they did with Jason Todd and 
um, how that was all tied up neatly. I'm sorry that the people who love the show, who everyone thought we were getting a <laughs> Red Hood spinoff, uh, that everyone thought at Fandom that was going to be the announcement. Oh, we're getting a Red Hood show. Yeah, it didn't happen. What didn't they uh, think was going to be announced at Fandom? So, sorry guys. And Tim, I'm sorry you don't watch the show because it it's better than you probably think. I'll just leave it uh, there. I, I just feel like if you have if, limited time, yeah, I get it. I work two jobs, so like, yeah. yeah, like, and so what time I do have to myself, like, it's usually just shit to relax to. So, it's right. like, I, I, that's why, like, I'm like, I'm finally making my way through Star Trek: The Next Generation because, like, that's a pleasant show for me to watch, and I can get into the ethical debates or everything, or I rewatch Batman the Animated Series or War Simpsons, whatever. What about right. Batwoman? Are you watching Batwoman at all? I haven't watched a CW show in a quite some time. Really? I, I know. I know. I, I, you guys are some of these news. So I'm like, I'm going to be like Silent Bob for a good portion of this show. And it's like, I'm like, <laughs> no. I have no opinion to give here. Uh, no witty repartee. But no, like I, I it feels like Titans. They couldn't sell a Robin TV show. So they said, hey, why don't we make a Teen Titans show? We had a Titans cartoon like as an animated show like 20 years ago. We could probably do something like that. <laughs> and it was kind of like a backdoor way to get to a Robin show. And judging by how season three I've heard from various sources, it seems like, oh, this is what they wanted to do but couldn't. And they're hampered by their own conceit. But if they're <laughs> really going to embrace being the Teen Titans and – I imagine if Raven's going to have a magical battle every now and then, I mean, Gar's going to be out of commission because they can't afford to do two heavy CGI characters in yeah. an episode. So, yeah. like, Gar's going to, like, it's going to be like the A team, the chandelier is going to drop on him, a box is going to fall on him. He's going to be incapacitated for most of the episode. Well, they did that on Supergirl. Like, at, at some point, there was more uh, David Harwood in the Martian Manhunter suit than Martian Manhunter. You know, <laughs> the, the, clearly the budget got it, got in the way uh, with certain characters. Um, but I do remember reading that the Titan show has been in development with Goldsman uh, for a while. Like, they tried to do it on TNT, I believe, years and years ago, and it never got off the ground. And then once DC Universe, the app launched, they were able to kind of do their own thing. And then once HBO Max got involved, they kind of stole it away. So... Yeah. I do think the HBO Max angle has worked out for a lot of these shows. I know they put some money into Superman and Lois, and that's turned out great. Titans, I think, has been a lot better since it made the jump to HBO Max. Uh, I believe they have a hand in Stargirl as well. So, you know, th those are key things. Like we mentioned the, the Batman shows early on. I think having HBO Max involved is a, is a great thing for these shows. Yeah, definitely the budget is bigger when you're under the HBO umbrella. I have to imagine – uh, than it was before they did, you know, when they were on the DC Universe, just on DC Universe. Yeah, and well, even, even the CW, you know. Right, I even imagine. with the CW shows, you could tell, right. like, the, the production value of Superman and Lois is so much better than Supergirl, say, like you mm -hmm. mentioned. Um, I think that, that you can clearly see that the funds, more funds are being used on these shows to make them better. And I think it's smart for DC to do that and Warner Brothers to do that because you're competing now with the Disney Plus shows even though you're not technically competing but you are like you're competing. oh they are they so are. there you go and I'm looking forward so speaking of the CW that Pete brought up that um we maybe know might not be around too much longer but we know that one character has just renewed his contract so at least we'll be getting a season nine Grant Gustin 
has renegot has negotiated a deal for a one year deal to return for season nine of The Flash. Now, season nine has yet to be announced, but I we're assuming since he's getting paid that they will be doing another season of The Flash. Tim, did you watch The Flash when it started? Yeah, I watched up until. Season four, I think. Oh, sounds got, about right for most people. Yeah. I, I, and it's not like, because like, what was it? Season four was The Thinker, right? That was the big bad of this season? I believe so. Season? Yeah. And I love The Thinker. I mean, like, even when him in the comics, when it was the Wally West run that Jeff Johns was writing at the time, like, I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed that season. And, but like, just so many other things. It's just like, prior, you have to prioritize. And as much as I love those shows, and I think like the first, like, three seasons of arrow or like top notch two being the best of the of the bunch and everything yeah. um yeah it's just like one of those things like all right i just i'm just i unfortunately don't have time for this i mean even the marvel netflix shows like i've yet to finish the punisher and i'm with and you. jessica jones jessica jones was my favorite for out of that bunch for a while so it, it's just one of those things that kind of fell by the wayside i feel bad for it but to those who like the show and wanted to keep it going more power to you grant gustin is you can't you can't argue he's, he's one of the embodiments of barry allen and if he wants to do more and cw wants to do more i'd say uh, hell yeah keep going yeah it's, it's interesting because in the article uh where do we get this article from eric what what trade do we deadline get? deadline so from deadline they made it seem like the cw was trying to make, get a multi-year deal and grant yes. was like no we can do one seat we can do a one-year deal but i also want to do like 15 episodes so it seems like it's going to be a shorter season they kind of hinted at this is going to be the grand finale for the flash uh we've we've long uh, heard rumors that the flash movie will mean the end of the flash tv show then you hear the cw's in financial trouble they're trying to sell it off so there's a lot of moving parts in here it seems like you know they're announcing things to kind of gain interest for whoever wants to buy the cw in the future and grant gustin seems to be a part of that uh, at least for one more year um i'm excited i thought armageddon was a good uh was a good like little mini series they started off with season eight i thought it really captured a lot of the magic from early seasons i'm with tim early on i think the flash obviously was better i think season two of the flash is some of the best comic book television you could possibly watch uh, so I, I'm excited for that. I'm happy that, you know, they can kind of give this character a farewell if that's what it is. Um, I've enjoyed a uh, majority of the seasons out of the eight, eight, seven and a half that I've seen. So I, I am excited and uh, we'll, we'll see where this goes. But, uh, you know, it's it's been a long run. I mean, if this deal does get done, he will have the longest running show on that network. And that's pretty impressive. Yeah, they mentioned that, too, as well, that Arrow had eight seasons and like Grant Gustin kind of maybe the burnout that Stephen Amell felt towards the end. I mean, he might be, he, they thought he might be feeling it, but clearly he's not because he's going to come back. So it's the, the flash is the one show that I stopped. It jumped the shark for me. And then I just, I don't know why I just, I can't go back to it. Um, I really, really love the first three or four seasons of the show. It's 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 really well done. But again, for me, it's always when they put the couple together in every show that I've ever watched in my life, once the sexual tension in the show, they put the main male and female lead together. Moonlighting famously, if you've ever watched the show Moonlighting, mm -hmm. um, famously, that's the one everyone remembers. Once they put Dave and Maddie together, that was it. 
like that was the end of the the show that the chemistry that just it kind of I agree with that you know. so I think that's what happened with the flash too once Barry and Iris got together even though I knew they were going to eventually get together because they do uh it kind of made the show weird for me and that and the CW likes to give everyone powers like everyone's got to be a part that, of the super yeah. team so yeah. it has its flaws you know, uh, I mean that. James Bond and Money Penny still have never gotten together <laughs> in not a couple of movies anyway well done um, well done good and, pull good pull and even and, and I can understand where you're coming from there but like like think of it this way like the I, I, I even made the joke on Twitter. Like, like I, the show may have run its course, but I'm, uh, <laughs> and and but like, I, if people still want to watch it, but like I say, I keep going to it. Like, think of, and like the the season finale of the Flash is my favorite episode of television because just the the catharsis that Barry has, he's able to go back in time and sit and say goodbye to his mom, right? And, first, and, like, yeah. that's, and that's just a very personal thing to like to me, and so. To have a show that I was that dedicated to just be like, eh, fall by the wayside is, is pretty damning in my opinion. But to the listeners, if the CW is sold, buy physical media of the show as soon as you can because you don't know where that those uh, shows are going to end up and what streaming platform, if it's not going to be behind the paywall or just in a vault somewhere. So get your DVDs or Blu-ray collections of those shows so you don't lose them forever. I I will say, though, streaming has helped me keep up with these shows because I very rarely watch an episode of any TV show the night that it it comes out. I usually catch it the day after on the app. It's it's kind of been a godsend for all these CW shows as well. As you mentioned, I've caught up with like uh, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, you know, uh, and I'm still wait. I still have to catch up on that final season of Punisher. So the streaming service does have its benefits as well as physical media but it's i'm you know being able to watch it the day after when i miss it just because a lot of times i do work nights it's it, it is it, it has helped me keep up with them and i, I kind of like the fact that i can binge watch various you know capes and tights over a couple hours in an afternoon or something well tim it's cool that you brought up the season one because a character from season one is going to be returning uh, Rick Cosnett, who played Eddie Thawne on season one, will be coming back for a little bit of an arc in season eight. So um, it's not too clear on what um, he's going to be playing. It says that he's going to be playing in numerous roles. So we'll see how it, how this moves going forward. But maybe that'll bring you back to watch. Will characters come back? You can watch the show. Uh, maybe. like If he's like... Like if he's the embodiment of the specter messing with Barry, he's say like, "How many people have died under your watch?" Like I'd watch that. That's right. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I liked him in the first season. Yeah, it was good. And, and so I'm curious to see what he's gonna bring to the table here and what they're gonna uh, do with him. But um, I imagine his paycheck is not as big as Grant Gustin's return and everything. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think he fits within the budget very nicely. <laughs> yeah, they said Gustin gets two hundred grand an episode. Yeah. That's 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 big. Uh, I'm excited to have good. Eddie come back. Really, he it was kind of one of the more interesting things in season one. Like he's descended of Thawne. Is he Thawne? Is he Thawne for the time? Like right. it was cool. He's dating Iris at the time. Like yep. you know, it, it was it was cool. And then he he kind of died a hero. Um, the article said he's going to come back in an untraditional fashion, which makes yeah. me wonder what that's going to be. I I wonder if Barry's hopping timelines again, so we're going to see different versions of Eddie. Uh, I'm not really sure, but it'd be nice to. Uh, it's I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I, I can't wait to see what they do and what the these writers come. 
come up with. Yeah, I might if if nine is the final season, I might watch the final season just because I did like the show so much when it began. So um, this news is great too, though. Again, I like Tim and you both said I did like the character in season one, and he did die in heroic fashion. So, however, they're bringing him back. The Spectre angle would be amazing. That would be great. Um, so it'd be cool to see something like that happen. But uh, I, I kind of uh, want him to come back like Nightmare on Elm Street four. Demon Dog just walks on screen. He <laughs> pisses fire onto his grave. That's how we renovate. That's how rejuvenate him. <laughs> oh, wow, that would be untraditional. <laughs> Definitely would that's be untraditional. That's how the season opens, and they just like they just go into the flash like opening. Like people just looking around, like did that just that happen? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll say this: like Batwoman is really taking advantage of their 9 p.m. Uh, time slot, and they've they've it's been pretty graphic. There's been some really good horror style kills in that show when uh, the villains are around. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised. The CW seems to be kind of stretching the limits <laughs> right now, and uh, we'll, we'll see what they do with the Flash. I don't expect anything like that, but <laughs> I, I got to say, like if, if this pending sale makes them want to take more risks, I'm all for it. Hey, me too. Again. Like I said, I love the show in the beginning. So if they, if they can do something, that's going to get me to to come back. And then like probably for the final seasons, um, unless Pete might try and bribe me again with another sh- show like you did with Gotham. <laughs> but- oh, that was miserable. Uh, <laughs> like how how bad would it be? It's the final episode of The Flash. We know it's the final episode. They introduced Kyle Rayner as Green Lantern. And I'm like, oh, come on. I, mean, I love Kyle's my favorite Green Lantern. So I have exactly. no problem with that. That'd be like, that'd be such a tease. Like, really? Really? We're going to wait here to bring up Kyle Rayner? Well, that's the funny thing. They kind of did that the last episode of Arrow because they had Diggle's character find... Yeah, he finds the lantern and then we that's it. We we don't... Nothing has come from that. So... (sighs) It's kind of a crazy thing that they did there. Everyone's like, oh, we're getting a Green Lantern show. And then we're, supposedly we're still getting one, right, on HBO Max. Isn't that thing still in production? Uh, they're still talking about it. but so you know, I, I, There's so much on my plate right now. I'm eating good. I got no problems. Like Exactly. If you guys, show if you, tough. The Green Lantern is just the ice cream at the end of the meal, if you ask me. It's it's like Billy Madison's friends waiting by the pool. Like, like where's Billy? It's Monday. He's in school. All right. Like, don't we have a Green Lantern show in the product in production? Yeah, I think we do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you sit there. Co- yeah, just the, uh, what about that show again? Oh, yeah, it's there. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I, it, it shows that are going to have insane budgets. I can only imagine what that's going to be like. I know. The, yeah, that show you're going to have to have a high, bu- a big budget for it's that. It's going to be expensive. So, but you know what? Also, is expensive, guys. Valentine's Day. At least it is for Tim. Tim has a significant <laughs> other. I know that Pete and I don't. So you but, are my significant other. Yes, that's true. We are each other's significant other. So we have each other. <laughs> I have the champion of Long Island. That's all I need. <laughs> but Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion. This Valentine's Day, it's time to join the four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist grooming, with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code Gotham for twenty percent off and free shipping. Now, Tim, I don't know if you're you're you've taken advantage of this offer before from us or if you haven't but dude the products are phenomenal 
you can get their number one product is the lawnmower 4.0. It's an electric trimmer to keep everything kind of neat down there. Uh, it has a nice little light on it, so you can kind of do it in the dark. If you're getting kinky, whatever, you can kind of do that. Um, <laughs> it's just a lot of different ways to go about it. Uh, they have the crop reviver, uh, the toner, which is the ball toner. It's just nice little spray. It's got a nice mm-hmm. little scent. Uh, Pete usually puts it on during the show. He doesn't, you know. I put it on twice already. You guys don't even know. <laughs> and it's right here. Where'd it go? So, yeah. So, you know, guys, make sure everything's great down there for Valentine's Day. Uh, it's there the it most, is. There, yeah, Pete, My you preserver. guys can't see it, but Pete's actually showing it. Oh, yeah. No, no. Uh, that, that is no BS right there. That's right there. It's, it's looking kind of light. Reach. It looks like it's been used. I don't think as much is left in there. I, I, I've gone through two <laughs> bottles already. <laughs> yeah, they have, and they have a bunch of new products. They sent me a couple of new ones. They have a body wash now and a shampoo and conditioner that I've been able to use. It has the same scent as the, the other stuff, so it's got that really nice – It's it's definitely a manly scent yeah so you guys definitely want to um you know it feels nice it's not it's not anything fruity or anything you might you know you might feel weird wearing as a man um all of this stuff though uh again you can have 20 percent off use our code gotham um if you go to manscape.com tim for your lady you might want to do this yeah I, I, because i literally saw a meme it was a picture of a Razor that had like drew like a sad face on, just covered in hair. It says all razors on February thirteenth, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I probably should do that. I'm like, if I do it now, I probably have enough time in, in before Valentine's Day, so I probably uh, should do that. Uh, but also, I want to know who's the p- people who are doing it in the dark who wants to take that risk. Like, all right, let's do it in the dark. <laughs> no, well, it comes with the light, so you're good. To I know. Go, you know? Don't uh, treat your girlfriend like a cat unless you want to. See. There you go. Walk him to the club. Listen to that motor. That sounds like Batman's car. <laughs> you know, like your girlfriend's not a cat. You don't want her coughing up hairballs for crying. No. Let's no. be serious, guys. Let's let's trim it down a little bit. Yeah, man. So and of course, and Pete and I are here to help you. We we understand these problems. I can do this on my and own. It goes Thank you, too. you know, she could use it as well. You don't want her looking like Demi Moore from like 1982. You know what I'm saying? And Google that because it's that, crazy. Oh yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> that is an inside joke, kind of. Pete Pete showed us that earlier this week in our little group. <laughs> so yeah, oh. but guys, seriously, everybody, it's it's. You know, it's 2022. I know historically that's been an area that guys have neglected, but it's 2022. You kind of got to keep things, keep things straight down there. So of course, get 20% off and free shipping with the code Gotham at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code Gotham. Join Cupid and shoot your arrow this Valentine's Day with Manscaped. Oh, we're shooting. Pew, 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 pew. (laughs) So many ways you could go with that one. I'll just move on to the next topic. So, guys, remember when there was going to be a Gambit movie and Channing Tatum was going to star in this Gambit movie? Yeah, I do. Most people were excited because not many people liked the, uh, what's it called, Taylor Kish version that we got of Man of um, I I didn't mind him. He was just in a, he's a saddle with a bad movie. Yeah, that's true. The movie wasn't good, uh, but he kind of suffered because of that. So he wasn't terrible. But the the Variety did an article, did an interview with Channing Tatum, and they talk about a lot of things about how he took off time from acting and how he's coming back, and has that movie Dog coming out, and what was the other movie I'm that split from Magic Mike Three? 
Yeah, he has the Magic Mike three, mm-hmm. um, and some other film that's coming. Who would have thought as well? Magic Mike would have become this like huge IP? To be honest with you, I know because you know? they're done so cheaply, and Steven Soderbergh knows how to stretch a buck. So and they seriously, bank. yes, that's that's probably the best description I've heard. That Soderbergh knows how to take a small budget and make a great film. Oh, so that's probably the best. But yeah, he has that one with Sandra Bullock, The Lost City. That's coming mm-hmm. out. That looks really funny, actually. It does. I saw a trailer for it. I forget what movie I saw. One I saw the before I saw Scream. Recently. Yeah, that's yes. It was Scream. It was definitely was Scream. That's where I saw it. Um, with a little Batman connection here, if you guys didn't know, he's dating Zoe Kravitz. So there you go. Uh, so Zoe he'll connection. be in the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but he talks about the failed Gambit script. And it sounded like this was going to be kind of a comedy um at least that's how i read what he was saying about it um so what did you guys think about because like they said he called flamboyant it's a little bit more funny uh like he'd kind of be like a, a fashion guy where he'd just be walking in these nice outfits and these suits like what did you think when you heard a like heard a little bit more description on what the movie was going to be too what did you think i guess you could say it wasn't in the cards Oh jeez! <laughs> <Da-dum. laughs> uh, no, <laughs> I may have been sitting on that for a little while, but <laughs> I'll be honest. No, it sounds like it would have been a fun time, and it's just unfortunate. Like whenever Gambit was on in the '90s cartoon, yes, he was always my favorite part of the episode because he was That's having what? the most fun in whatever situation that they accent. were in. Yeah. Oh yeah, the the what was it when he's down with the Louisiana accent and just like how how Cajun he was, it just made it sound like so much fun. And like part of me wonders like would it have gone as far as like twenty one and twenty two jump street like levels of comedy or whatnot. But the fact that it doesn't it didn't turn out is unfortunate. I, I kind of feel bad for him. And but he did say like I, I can't watch another Marvel movie right now because of his lost chances and I don't know if he just because he used the word Marvel in an interview that he knows it would get traction like so many other people do these <laughs> days mm-hmm. uh, it, it seems like he's really good at holding a grudge um, to be honest like I'm reading this article and I was like oh my god I forgot about Channing Tatum like I get and you, you realize like oh he was a big star he, he was there was a point yeah. in time where he was just making as the article states blockbuster after blockbuster and you're like Wow, this guy did just kind of disappear for a little bit. Um, I am bummed out. Like it's, I, I'm, I'm with Tim here. Like every time Gambit was on that show, I would, you know, I, he'd say something and I'd repeat it. Like try to say it in that accent. Like it's, he was just so like suave and like charismatic. Like how many cartoon characters are that charismatic? You know, like just the way he acts and it, it, you know the, the way he would throw his cards and everything. So uh, it, it's, it's a bummer that it's, it's, it's never gonna be made. And you know, I, I feel kind of bad because you know this is a you know we don't know what disney and marvel are planning with the x-men and uh it's it always seems like this movie got delayed and delayed and delayed and there was no virus involved in this it was just delayed all the time and it's kind of a bummer but you know uh, I, I wonder what we'll see of the x-men coming in the future i don't know it, it we don't even have any teases of it so it again like who knows what's in store for that whole group of characters, but this Gambit movie sounded like it would have been entertaining. Yeah, the it seems like the aesthetic they were going for, or clearly the aesthetic they were going for, is not something Marvel wanted to go and do. Um, I don't know if there were plans at the time to bring him into the MCU. Was this going to be a separate film? Um, I think it was still when Fox was in charge, right? So, yeah. So, yeah, so I don't know what the deal is. And like you said, with the character going forward, 
who knows what they're going to do. He hasn't, we haven't seen him only for that one film. So it would be a very smart character to begin with maybe. And I forgot he was in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) So when you guys bring it up, I'm like, oh yeah, Gambit was there. (laughs) Yes. Remy LeBeau. Yes. Yes. He was in there. Yeah. The Deadpool 1.0 was the reason why it shattered everything in that. (laughs) That's why I was like, oh yeah, Gambit was in there. Yeah. It it was like, it was like a repressed memory that you, you somehow remembered at that point. Like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, he was, there and that's yeah, another he, one like what what's in store for deadpool 3 like what, what like does disney even want to attempt it like we've heard rumors like they, they've said that they're working like i don't know like it just it doesn't seem like their cup of tea he se- and just from reading the article Channy tatum seems like a really cool guy so i yeah. i hope whatever happens if we do get a gambit movie and maybe he will come back and be like hey you know it, how long did we hear about um deadpool being made after uh, X-Men Origins and then we how long did we hear that Ryan Reynolds want to do it and we heard for so long until he took the action himself and released that uh, illicit yeah. video allegedly yeah. <laughs> he did a great job let's just let's be honest yes. credit credits too. so man if 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 Tatum really wants to do play this character maybe we'll see him again we'll see who knows with the way legacy castings have been going lately I can't see this being a bad idea to be honest with you I can't you know? either um and he's a star, you know, like yes. he, he, people go to see Channing Tatum movies. You know, most of the time he's got his shirt off. But <laughs> he, he's, he's got the shirt. Momoa effect. Yeah. He was Momoa before Momoa. <laughs> I was about to say he's got the shirtless Momoa thing going yeah. for him. Yeah. I, I imagine like when he goes over the house and because I forget what's Zoe Kravitz and Jason Momoa. It's a. That's her what, stepfather. Well, right, he was. Was her stepfather? Yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. Her step like, I imagine if if Tatum would go over there, like they all might just take their shirts off. Like that's like, oh, that's how they. That's how they introduce <laughs> that's each it. other. Yeah. Like well, the Liver King. <laughs> yes. Well, her actual father is Letty Kravitz, who also is, you know, is an attractive man. And he's, well, he's got yeah. dad bod. Letty yeah. Kravitz is musician dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying though, it, it, it's that's another intimidating guy to have to go go meet if you're you know if you're you're the dating his daughter. That's too. Guys, oh, right there, these, these guys in Hollywood, they got it rough, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know who doesn't have it rough, at least recently, is Sony, obviously, with the success of Spider Man. And as we've been teased for years now, we've been getting various different talks about them doing more villain movies. So we know we've gotten Venom, um, we have Morbius coming up, and apparently, we're getting Madam Web as well. Uh, Dakota Johnson, who famously was in Fifty Shades of Grey, and I don't remember her other films. I know she's done a little, a lot of smaller roles um, in smaller films. Is was is in talks or is being cast? Yeah, she's in talks. Sorry to play the title character of Madame Web. So, Pete, you're like the big Spider-Man dude here. Um, what do you think? Uh, when I first heard this news, I was really excited because, like, my favorite Madam Web. I'm holding up a pop. You guys can't see it, but it's it's old woman Web. She's in her chair. She's a psychic. She she can't walk. She's kind, you know, and she she's like the the spider god, the spider fortune teller, whatnot. And then I like the first thing I thought of when I saw this, and I, well, I kept thinking about it, and thinking about. It. I'm like, oh, this is great, Madam Web, Madam Web. And I'm like, and then I was talking to Nico about it, and I was like, 
isn't this actress a little young to be Madam Web? Like, I know we just saw um, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith in uh, the Matrix movie, and she she was aged up a bit. So it's not like they can't do it. But then I started thinking a little bit more. I was like, oh, they're going to do young Madam Web that we just saw from like Spencer's run. You know, so this is going to be a different interpretation. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I judge these Sony Spider-Man list Spider-Man movies as they come. Uh, I liked I, I I didn't like Venom one, but it grew on me, and I ended I end up do liking it now. Venom 2 is kind of a mixed bag. Uh, we'll see what Morbius has in store for us. Uh, so uh, it's all kind of wait and see for me. But depending on how they interpret this character is going to d- d- be a lot of like, well, do I really want this or not? I mean, I'll go see it and I'll judge it for that. But instantly I'm like, oh, what are they doing here? So I, I need a little bit more information. Are they going to go old woman web? Are they going to do the younger version? I'm, I'm not sure. So it, it's all wait and see right now. But I'm excited. Sony is taking chances uh, like always, you know, I, I, We'll see what they do. I don't know what Spider-Man's wear anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> anything's on the table since No Way Home. Uh, so we'll check it out. All right, Tim, Madam Web. It, it feels like they're going the same route with Aunt May. They're just getting progressively younger as they go. But this is the first adaptation. Like, no, we're mm-hmm. going to make it like sexy Madam Web. I mean, because as you took Johnson's most... I think it's inarguable her most famous role was from when she was in the Fifty Shades of Grey series. Um, I don't think we're going to get into that kind of kink in this movie. We may. We don't know. Like Sony made this like, you know what? Uh, we're going to turn we have, the genre on its head. Yeah, we, have, we're, we still have piles and piles. Of money. We're sitting in a pile of a, a money house because of No Way Home. You know what? So which we can do whatever we want with this character here. Um, so I'm curious to see what it's gonna do but like Amanda Webb at least like the limited experience I've had with that character is a secondary character and would just kind of pop up send Peter on a mission uh, yes I'm largely coming from the Spider-Man the animated series from the 90s yes so I do not know about any of her comic book origins outside of that I know she was introduced in the like 1980 or 1981 it, it, that's very faithful to what the character is yeah okay. Neil, Neil, yeah yeah. Um. Uh, oh, yeah. That was when the time he went back to Marvel for a little bit before becoming like the elder of DC from that point on. It was like Amazing Spider-Man two ten or first appearance, I believe. Yeah, and it's a run that people kind of like shit on when it comes to Denny O'Neill's like time in Marvel. It's Spider-Man runs not like uh, not as well regarded as compared to somebody like Jerry Conway or mm-hmm. or obviously uh, Lee and Ditko and Lee and Ramita, but. It is curious to see what's going to what's going to shake out and what kind of stories they're going to tell. Like other than like like this week on Spider Man was like I can almost see her like a curator and like popping up in other Spider Man universes because that's what her powers are. Like I can see mm-hmm. her bringing back the Amazing Spider Man universe. If they wanted to do that. Yep. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, this, that's what I was kind of hinting at when I said we're getting a villain. Obviously, we're getting a Craven movie too with with um, Aaron Taylor Johnson playing the lead there. Uh, it's weird that I remember, Pete, we talked about this. I believe right when we began our show, what, this might have been one of the topics we talked about. Because I, I wanted the- Rosemary Harris to be in No Way Home as Madam Webb. 
<laughs> yeah, I think I remember kind of talking about Madam Web and this film apparently has been in development since 2019. So it's been a while since we heard, but I like Tim just referenced with the money they made from No Way Home, they probably feel real confident now. Okay, we could make whatever we want to make. Well, I think we Sony's been confident in their abilities for a while now. You had the first Spider-Verse movie, the animated one that was a huge success. Yep. Venom, the the Venom movies made a lot yes, of money. Yes, they did. So, and remember, they, they balked at Marvel and they said, we're taking Spider-Man back. That did happen, you know, but eventually they, the two of them worked out a deal. I think Sony's very confident. And I think this whole multi, I always said that as soon as Sony's ready, they're going to pull Spider-Man out of the MCU. But now they're really diving into this multiverse thing. I think they're going to try to do the multi-Spider-Man thing. It just seems like, it, it, you know, they're very ballsy over there. They're not afraid to take chances. So I, I think that's more in, I think that's more in line with what we probably will get than them pulling Spider-Man out of the MCU. I think they're just, tr I think, you know, when it comes to Spider-Man, I think Sony's going to be very greedy and just trying to make as much money as possible. I hope we do. I hope that if that it does go that way, I hope there is still collaboration between the studios where you can get these other characters, obviously, in the MCU. We saw a little bit of it with Venom. Um, so I'm hoping that that collaboration still stays, stays together and uh, we have that um, going forward where they as, can. As long as the tickets in. keep getting uh, cashed, right? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very, very good point. All right, guys, so we have a few trailers that came out recently, and let's go through them very quickly and talk about them. Uh, first, I'm going to start with the Halo TV series. Uh, we had a teaser trailer not too long ago. I remember, Pete, you and I talked about the teaser, and now we got a full trailer uh, with Cortana, which was, which was a cool little part that they, they made very important to highlight mm -hmm. <laughs> Cortana in this one. Um, as X, I think... Pete, I know we're Xbox guys. Uh, Tim, are you an Xbox guy? PS? I am a Sony shill. I had, oh. I've had every PlayStation. I, I mean, at one point I did have a 360, but it Red Ring of Death, like maybe like nine months into its life, and I never got it replaced. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Did you play Halo? Have you played uh, Halo? No, I have played Halo, but it's usually at friends' houses or when okay. I was up at school, like when I was in college. Like a lot of nights, like Friday night, do we want to go out? Nah, not really. It's too cold because yeah, we're, we're I was going to school close to Canada, so like during the winter we do not want to go out. Like even the warmth of going to a bar is not that appealing. We play either Call of Duty or Halo. Mm -hmm. okay. um, but yeah, like, it, it is curious to see what, what this series is going to be like. I, I just have, I will bring up one question: Do we even see the flood in this season, or is that the tease at the end of the this season? Uh, I think that'd be good to tease. It seems to be kind of originy. Like it seems to be the beginning. Like they, yeah. they seem to discover the covenant and what they're really going about and all that jazz. And I thought you know, from what I've seen, my only criticism is I didn't really like the guy who was voicing Master Chief's voice. It sounded different than the game. That was, he sounds I, like Pedro Pascal a little bit. So I was kind of disappointed <laughs> in that. But everything else, like, I mean, seeing the Warthogs, the look of the Master Chief, seeing Cortana, see, you know, the Spartans, like I, I thought it all looked cool. And the covenant guys, like, I, I loved Halo too. Like Tim, like w w some of my like we would have like dorm Halo like because <laughs> internet was all over at the time, right? Like it was like in, in the dorm, so like we would all plug in and have Halo tournaments and stuff like that. So Halo two was a huge part of my college experience. 
experience, you know, just getting wasted and playing. It was either Halo or Madden for us. So that was fun. Uh, so I have like a lot of nostalgic memories. Halo 2 is one of my favorite games of all time. I still play it, you know, I, I, and I, this is something that was, again, like always in developmental hell. Was this ever really going to happen? At one point, it was like a movie with Vin Diesel, yeah, right? It was a movie, so, yeah. Uh, I'm just excited. Uh, this may be one of those things where I either uh, I might actually get Paramount Plus for this. Uh, I don't know how much it costs. I don't know if I'm ready to add another bill to <laughs> to my monthly list. But you know, Halo is something that I hold near and dear to my heart, and uh, it'll definitely be a, a decision I have to make. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm I'm excited, and it looks good. The animation looks good. The CGI looks good. I, I well, and that's what I mean by animation. It's not a cartoon, you know. But the special effects look fantastic. I, I'm excited. You know, like watching the Master Chief rip that machine gun off of what looks like i don't know the back of a warhog i was like oh my god that's right out of the game like this is great you know like this, those little subtle details so i'm excited i i just hope i you know i know a lot of people who watch that uh that boba t- boba fett tv show they're upset that you get to see his face so much i hope i never see the master chief's face you know <laughs> so that i, I kind of maybe then i'll understand what you guys are complaining about that's a whole other show the book of boba fett that is a whole other show i could do i and i will be by the way doing a show on that not too with long dick shoes that. and aaron right? yes yes Yes, yes, with Rick and Aaron um, from the Fanboy Garage with Richu. So I'll be doing a show probably next week sometime after the finale of the book. Of As Boba. Rick gets his uh, every show plug in our show. Yes, yes. And as Rick, so we give Rick time to catch up on other Star Wars things he hasn't watched, like the Clone Wars, like Rebels, like a ton of the animated stuff that he, he hasn't should be seen. doing is rewatching Solo because that's a good movie. Yes, yes, he should be watching that. Just drop a, like a stack of Timothy Zahn books, like the now legends. Yes, like, the Thrawn series. Yeah, yes. the Thrawn Watch trilogy, it. especially. Yes. Um, as for me and Halo, I. I do. I've always been an Xbox guy. I'm not. A, I've never been a big fan of shooters, but I have played Halo a few times. Um, and from what I remember from the first couple of seasons, this does seem very faithful to it. Uh, like Pete said, there's a lot of little Easter eggs that pull. They pull right from the game. Um, the production value, though, is what surprised me the most. It looks very well made. It, it looks. Does. It looks film quality to me, um, at least from the trailer. Now they maybe they put all the best stuff in the trailer to kind of get people to say that, which happens. So I, you know, but um, I am looking forward to it. I will watch it. I've always thought that uh, something uh, IP like Halo would be better as a series. So I'm glad that they did shift it from a film to a series. Um, go ahead, Tim. Like. Because it's coming from a video game and there's animation already built in, do audience members and especially fans have a lower bar of, not expectation, but um, lower clearance because you've already seen an animated, so the CGI can be a little hit or miss and you'll be fine yeah. with it. Because it's better than the game already. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. I, di- I didn't think about that, um, I, but I, I am with Eric. Like, it, it looks pretty movie quality. I mean, I was really kind of stunned, especially how the members of the Covenant look. I was like, oh my God, that looks fantastic. I just better yeah. than I could have imagined. So I'm just... I'm very excited for this. I think I'm. I, I, I that's uh, something interesting, Tim. I, I, I will. Uh, I'm going to play Halo and I'll watch Halo and I'll, I'll let you guys know what I think. I think there's something to that, too, though, Tim. I think that's a very good point to bring up. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it somehow looks better than the Uncharted movie that's coming out. Yes, it does look better than that uh, movie. Which doesn't look good at all to me, but <laughs> again, I never played Uncharted. That's the Tom uh, Holland movie, right? Yes, yeah, Mark Wahlberg. Yes, Tom Holland. Marky Mark. Mark. Yeah, we're gonna go find some treasure. Yeah, let's he, go. I, he, oh god, he could have been our Hal Jordan. 
He's the to me when I think of all the actors who are famous now, he's the one to look at and be like, "How? Like, how did this happen?" He's not. He's good in certain films, but overall, for me, Mark Wahlberg is just not a good actor. But that's I feel that way about Nick Cage. <laughs> well, a lot of people feel that way about Nick Cage. I'll give Nick Cage credit though; he didn't use his uncle's last name to get him in through Hollywood. I don't no. know what happened behind the scenes, but uh, I appreciate the fact that he didn't use Coppola and he he changed it to Cage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bet you part of the time Coppola is like, oh, thank God he didn't use my name. <laughs> he, I think he had more important things to worry about, like uh, fixing Godfather 3. Oh, okay, yeah. after, after his daughter's performance in that movie, I, I think he wanted to disassociate from actors, period. Like this, <laughs> I, 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 I don't have a problem with Sofia Coppola acting in that movie. It's just her death scene that really oh. – it's like that's like – it's between her and Andy or Garcia because like – uh, spoilers for Godfather 3 for those who have not seen it Sofia Coppola is murdered by accident when they're trying to kill Al Pacino's Michael Corleone and um, Andy Garcia who is the person who's in love with Sofia Coppola has just killed the assassin looks back up the stairs there and finds her his love is now dead up there his reaction no yep like so bad well, like, like I, mean, I just got a ticket like that's that's the reaction I just got right there. The fact that they were cousins, I still can't get over that. I'm like, yeah. I was like coming from a very very uh, traditional Italian family. Like, I was like, how the hell does that work out? Like, what? What's going? on? I don't care that he was like oh. estranged for 20 years, but what are you guys doing? So weird. So weird. that uh, movie is so all different kinds. You know, of he he had to save his vineyard, so the movie had to get made. I mean, like, it's funny, like. Coppola's gone on record saying he's made more money as a wine salesman than he has as a filmmaker. Wow. There you go. There you go. So thank God Father 3 for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, guys, moving along with another trailer. The second one I'm going to go to was just a teaser. Um, it, I've always thought this pairing is strange. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. We got a teaser trailer from that, which really is just his version of Jiminy Cricket, which – Wow! <laughs> like, yeah, holy crap! That's not the Jiminy Cricket with the hat. Everyone's gonna. Well, I think his name is Sebastian in the teaser. Yeah, yeah, Sebastian J. Cricket. But yeah, yes. Um. So yeah, that was again. The quality looks good. I just don't know how I'm gonna feel about it. But seeing that it's Del Toro, which is weird because I just watched Nightmare Alley last night, so I've just watched a Guillermo Del Toro movie. Um. So watching this was kind of, you know, I just watched it again today just to refresh my memory. And yes, yeah, it seems it's different. What do you guys yeah, think? Uh, I love everything that GDT makes. So like, I'm sure this is going to be phenomenal. But it was the animation style. It, it reminded me of James and the Giant Peach. You know, that kind of like similar uh, awkward kind yeah. of like bug stuff. Um, I'm into it. I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm, You know, how GDT interprets... Uh, Pinocchio is going to be very fascinating to me because he's a brilliant mind and he likes to do things his way. And, you know, is this going to be a little bit more serious, a little bit more scary? Because at certain points, you know, even the Pinocchio cartoon gets really dark and really, you know, like I was like, this is you're, yes. you're giving this to kids, <laughs> you know, not to sound all Justin Kowalski, but like, kids can't watch this, <laughs> you know, but um. Those kids got turns to jackasses. Yeah. I'll be fascinated yeah. to see what he does with those scenes specifically. Yeah. Tim. Uh, because Del Toro is our modern master of adapting fairy tales to the screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I am him and Pinocchio, especially he's going back to the original story. And I yeah. think it was an interview he did with Mark Marin where they kind of teased this. 
I don't think it's going to have the happy ending that you expect from the Disney version of the story. I agree. I would agree. And I'm all for it. Like you and McGregor is Jiminy Cricket or how are we Sebastian? Sebastian Cricket, excuse me. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it looks like if Laika made a Pinocchio movie and, and I love everything that Laika has done so far. So I'm like, I'm all for this. Uh, bring on the amber tone of all your movies, Del Toro, and yeah. your the creepy creatures and what have you. I can, I am extremely excited for it. Like this and Knives Out 2 are my two favorite things coming from Netflix this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I have to say, I'm more intrigued than, than like really looking for it, but I'm definitely, it's definitely something that I'm going to watch because it wasn't what, obviously, it wasn't what I was, what wasn't what I was expecting, but when I think about who's doing it, it kind of is what I was expecting at the same time. So you kind of have the Disney yeah. version from your childhood stuck in your head, and then you're getting this new version. So let's see how that goes. Um, last, the last trailer, and I saved the, <laughs> I saved the, the best one for last for me, uh, was the Netflix version movie of the texas chainsaw massacre um we pete and i talked about this when the trailer came out the mini trailer teaser uh we talked about it and then it was just kind of they just showed cut scenes of blood and gore and you know people dying that's kind of what the original one was what else do you need i know this one's a little bit more deep deep we get to see leatherface um the original characters here The Uh, the final girl yes yes we have her back um that scene at the last scene we get of them in the bus with all the kids take want to take the pictures was brilliant. I've never rooted for Leatherface so hard in my life. Once they started like talking about cancel culture, I was like, "You all gotta die." It was brilliant. It was so that that was such a brilliant, brilliant yeah. scene. I can't wait to see that in the film. But as fans of horror, Pete and I, as you, most people listen to the show, know we are fans of horror. Uh, I really, really dug it. Pete, what about you? Uh, I think it's cool. They're going the Halloween route. They're going to do a sequel to the first movie. Yep. Um, it seems like the the old town in Texas is abandoned and Leatherface and crew or his family, I don't know who's around anymore, but they've kind of branched out. It seems they've kind of taken over the town. And uh, I think it's kind of interesting. You're, you know, you have a, a bunch of young, ambitious youngsters who want to kind of revive this town, kind of make it their own, put their imprint on it. And uh, old Leatherface has got other ideas. Uh, and I think it's interesting that they're bringing back the original final girl because she's been te- – She's been teased in a few other of the other yeah. movies. There was an interesting uh, article on Bleeding Cool about what they've done with her, and she seems to kind of just been mentioned a few times in like the uh, the, the opening like scroll credit. So uh, I can't wait to see it. It looks cool. She looks. It's you know it 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 does feel very Halloween and Laurie Strode to me. Like she's kind of waiting. She's been waiting all this time, and you know uh, we'll see. I, I love slasher movies. Uh, I hope there's a lot of blood and guts in this, and you know. <laughs> It's just the only real uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie I enjoy is the original. Yeah. I didn't like anything that followed or the Jessica Biel uh, remake or those. I, I I didn't dig those. I know uh, Sanjay tells me that uh, they're, they're not as bad, so I might have to give them a rewatch. But I'm excited for this. I'm glad they're ignoring past continuity and they're just going right after the first one. Tim. I have thoughts. <laughs> The first is I will remind people of an anecdote that I heard uh, once during the Crystal Lake Memories documentary about the Friday the 13th franchise. Mm -hmm. And the origins of the Friday the 13th movie was Victor Miller, the original screenwriter of the first movie, 
the one who's been in a legal battle with Sean S. Cunningham for years. That's why oh, yeah. we haven't gotten a new Friday the 13th content in the while. So frustrating. Yeah, but justifyingly so. Like, I understand why you want to be litigious there because of the industry that's No, caused. I get it. I get it. But Victor Miller remembers a story where Sean S. Cunningham came to him saying, Halloween's doing big uh, money right now. Let's rip it off. <laughs> and I think the producers of this Sex of Chainsaw Massacre saw the Halloween 2018 movie and just like, I have an idea. I agree. Let's rip it off like wholesale. Yes. And like, it's not even, it's pretty blatant. And like, I, obviously the original actress, Marilyn Burns, passed away back in 2014. So it's not the original actress. It's the same character, but it's not the original actress mm-hmm. coming back. Um, like, it, it is pretty hollow. That's what it seems to me. Like, the only thing I'm looking forward to is that bus scene. <laughs> like, that's the only thing I'm looking forward to. Like, the entire trailer is just kind of like, a slow descent of the madness for him, but not a good madness like the the dinner table scene at the end of the original Chester Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun, but also out there. Um, this, I'm just like, oh God, it is. I, I mean, like the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, I love the first two. I really enjoy Texas too. I mean, I, I know like it, it's completely different from the first one, but. I will go to my grave thinking of the line, lick my plate, you dog dick, what Chopsep says <laughs> at one point. Uh, but the franchise is it has more continuity problems than the Hellraiser series. So it's not like we hit, well, it's not like it's, it's sacred or whatnot. Yeah. Like people say like, oh, they're just going back to the original. Like, buddy, I'm sorry. There's a bunch of sequels that you do not know about or care right. about. Go check out the Matthew McConaughey one. Uh, <laughs> Tell me if that film doesn't deserve to be ignored. Oh, I mean, he ignores it. So. Like, so is Renee Zellweger. But, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but, like, that's the watch that movie just for how OTT Matthew McConaughey is in that movie. Like, uh, I love, like, there is a channel called dead meat who does a kill count and everything and they did a bunch of clip he he had a bunch of out there moments of matthew mcconaughey like at one point mcconaughey jumps from a roof and lands on a car and it's obviously stuntman being dubbed by mcconaughey but it's like duh, duh, and the weird noises mcconaughey makes that movie it makes it a, a enjoyable watch <laughs> you're but, way more favorable than i am <laughs> yeah but like but also like i could watch batman robin and have a good time with it because i know exactly what the movie is and i get a laugh yeah. with it. I, i'll do yeah. msc 3k with it uh like i said there's no bad 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 movies in my eyes it just it depends on what kind of mood you have to be in exactly. and what mindset fair, you're in. yes yeah um I, I take the stance of graham morrison when it comes to batman everything that's happened in batman's career is can- canon it can be canonical it, it's all valid even the 50s silly stuff um and he, and so if people want to be more selective with their Texas Chainsaw Massacre continuity, by all means, Godzilla did in the early 2000s, where like all those sequels, like from between 2001 and like 2010, was just a sequel to the first movie, ignoring the previous entry. So yeah, I, I'm not mad about that, but otherwise, I'm just like it just seems pretty blatant as a rip off of Halloween 2018. But that 
that that bus clip of like do anything you'll get canceled and just like i just like it's kind of like in predator 2 with predators in the, the subway car yeah like, the the gangbangers like that's what i'll come to i'll watch that just yeah. for that scene that huh. closed confined space where you got nowhere to go you know you're yeah. running around a house or like a farm you're stuck in like a tunnel yeah. <laughs> and there's only one way to go it's so brilliant that scene actually, is so brilliant what what the kills i'm looking for like it's Clayface. Leatherface seems to have like this insane hammer thing that he's just chopping yes. heads with. That's what I'm looking forward to. I want to see what he does with this hammer. I know. It's crazy. Like like I said, in the teaser, that's what they show. They just show like clips of the of the yeah. kills. This one you get a little bit more, and you're like, oh, what is he doing with that? Like that's yeah, I agree with Pete. I'm I don't know, and I'm not it's not like I'm looking forward to this movie to be like, oh, some great event. It's just something I know is probably as sick as this sounds. It's gonna probably entertain me, so I just yeah. wanna I just wanna give it a watch. Uh but guys, all of these are up on YouTube. You wanna go check them out, all the trailers we just spoke about. Um I wanna end on the last um on this little interview it's the actors on actor series that variety's been doing um most of them been excellent i watched the one with andrew garfield and rachel ziegler Mm -hmm. as someone who's a fan of theater like i am i thought it was a brilliant it's my favorite one they've done so far but um pete referenced the one that we that we have between oscar isaac and jared leto or leto he says leto in the video so maybe it is leto i don't know but um he they, they have it, and obviously we're talking about it here because um, Leto plays Morbius and Oscar Isaac plays Moon Knight, so that's where that. And it's funny though they spend such a little amount of time on both of those <laughs> titles. Yeah, like uh, right? Isaac basically says like because I didn't we didn't make a movie we were able and we don't have to worry about box office we were able to take a lot of chances and do some new things and that was kind of where it ended. Um, Leto doesn't talk about Morbius at all, but what was really fascinating about that was the similarities that these two guys have. Like they both were in, they're both actors they both were in bands they both opened for Green Day at concerts that they were both at and they never met each other right like yeah. that's what they say and then uh you know uh isaac plays uh a guy who has leto's last name in dune so like there there's very some odd similarities they've all lived in like the same cities and i was just like oh wow so it was interesting i i put it up there because i wanted to hear about the morbius and moon knight <laughs> stuff but they hardly ever talked about it but it yeah. still was a fascinating watch anyway yeah i kind of felt like it was more of an interview leto was interviewing Oscar Isaac. Like when I'm watching it, I feel like he, I feel like he's leading the conversation. Yes. And he doesn't, it's not like he's not giving much up about himself, which if you know the guy, or if you know anything about the guy, it's probably though a smarter, smarter take on his part because he's controversial to say the least. Uh, but Tim, what did you think of the, of the Isaac uh, Leto Lido interview? Uh, I get, like I, I read the transcript because I was trying to be quiet at that point, but yeah, it definitely seemed like it's, it's kind of different from when it's just a interviewer, like somebody right. that's their job to do, because it's a whole different kind of experience and background that coming from their bringing it to their interview. So they could talk a different language, like, like the subtext of what words they're choosing um, will affect their conversation. The fact that they're both actors and they're both musicians. So you can tell they tell like that's what their their passion is. So. It's a, it, it was a it was a fun thing to read, and yeah, it was definitely Leto or Leto, uh, depending <laughs> on the conversation, depending on your nomenclature, how you want to pronounce that. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> I like it makes you wonder like Jared, did Jared, Jared just rip off Dune and that's why he came up with that name like did he yeah. read Dune as a child and that's why he chose as a surname <laughs> we don't know um but no it, it, it's cool to see and I, it, it's one of those things like why it's so fascinating to have like actors or directors talk to each other because there's a different language there's a different kind of experience that they can speak to and I, I don't know if like it was just a gag order that like Leto, don't bring up Morbius until it's coming out. When is it coming out again? <laughs> ah, it's coming out. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like they, <laughs> to the point that like now we, they, the Morbius trail has been around so long. They've had two different like Spider-Man movies that reference in their opening <laughs> yeah. crawl. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and just the idea of like, oh, they could take more chances with Moon Knight. I'm like, I've never read Moon Knight. I, I've heard of Moon Knight. So people coming out of the woodwork, like, I've been a Moon Knight fan for a while. Like, <laughs> raise an eyebrow, too. Like, I'm not saying, like, if people say, like, I've been an Eternals fan for years. Like, mm, yeah. Yeah. One well, of them, like, they're, like, it's the vision of bias snatches because otherwise, like, I don't think you're human, sir, or madam, or whatever. I, I don't believe uh, all these amazing Spider Man fans either, to be honest with you. I mean, Mason Spider-Man 2 made money. It just didn't make enough money to justify a sequel. I just remember being open weekend seeing that. And I, oh, like, I didn't like it. I mean, it has a better ending than the alternate ending that you can find on YouTube now, where Peter Parker's father faked his death. And, and I'm just like, no, I'm sorry. I don't think a father would do that and just leave his child to think he's dead for... <laughs> decades anyway um but no yeah like i i i kind of wish the interview would go on longer because i thought it would be fine uh, even even not to talk about morbius or moon knight just because it's just i thought it was a fascinating conversation yeah it's kind of it, i when i was watching it it's kind of weird because oscar isaac has only really become known i want to say within the last what 10 years maybe eight years, eight, 10 years, yeah. give or take. I've known Jared Leto since I've been a teenager because he was on My So-Called Life and then his career just kind of went off from there. Him and Claire Danes were in My So-Called Life. Uh, and I think the first Leto movie I saw was Panic Room. Yeah, like there's, he's With been around. Girls. He had braids, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's been around for me for so long um, that it was just interesting watching the conversation and how much he seems to appreciate Oscar Isaac's work so much. Um, and the same, the other way too, like they very, very, there's very much a mutual respect there. And, uh, it was interesting to hear the uh, talk though, about like Pete said, about what they were both involved in music. Obviously Jared Leto's band is much bigger than whatever Oscar Isaac was doing. 30 seconds to Mars is headline shows and mm -hmm. been all over the place. And, um, it's a big band, but it just was interesting to see two guys who have very, very similar backgrounds have this conversation about, and to hear them talk about acting, like certain things they brought up during the interview. Guys, if you haven't seen it, get, check it out. It's on variety. Check out all of them. They, they do a very good job with these actors on actors, um, the actors on actors interview. So there's no Joker talk, by the way, don't expect Leto to say anything about Yeah, He no. doesn't really talk. <laughs> he doesn't, I don't know if he can't say anything about Morbius because, uh, Obviously, the movie got delayed, and he's just you know he's got to hold out, and but he doesn't say anything about his time as a Joker either. So if you're going there for comic book movie stuff, you're not going to find much. Yeah, more on Moon Knight. Like if you're interested in Moon Knight, um, Isaac gives us a little bit more on the process behind Moon Knight and and where he went and what he leaned on to to you know how he actually read a little bit about him um, and where he wanted as an actor to try and get his inspirations to play the part, but. 
Yeah, um, but it, it just as if it's just if you're a fan of the process of acting too, it's a good interview to watch. They talk a little bit how they go go to places. Uh, so yeah. that's that. It's kind of like how I think Pedro Pascal took over inside the actor studio for a while, mm-hmm. and he was interviewing actors, and it was it's a completely different kind of approach to the conversation rather than James Lipton because right. of his experience as an actor. I'm right. not sure if it was inside the actor suit, but he was doing an interview series when he was interviewing actors that I found fascinating. Yeah, during the pandemic, they were doing something else. Like early in the pandemic, there was another, it wasn't Variety, it was another group that was doing something. And I saw him with Alec Baldwin and Sarah Jessica Parker. And there were like all these other different actors doing these interview interviewing each other. Uh, which again, I, it's always fascinating for me to watch um, them not acting because that's the only time I ever really see them. So when you see them just being normal people in interviews, it's, it's always a fascinating watch for me. So check it out, guys. Again, check out the whole series. It's been it's it's phenomenal, phenomenal series. All right, I believe that's it, guys. I believe we're at the end here. Nice. This is, I think this is our longest show ever. It is our longest show ever. Yeah. This yeah. is this is our Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yes, and we didn't even talk anything about sports. Tim, we know you're a sports fan as well, so we didn't we didn't talk any sports this time. Well, none of our hockey teams are very good this year. <laughs> That's a good point. I have no. been, but I've Tim, have you been to UBS yet? Not yet. I, I, I want live, to. I live right up the block, so like I've been a few times. Uh, so you don't have to pay the thirty dollars for the parking. You can literally no, walk there. I hear I the parking's there. a mess. It's, yeah, so far they don't have uh, they have, they're building still the parking garage, but it's not done yet. So you, there's the main Belmont parking you can park in, and then the other side of under the Hempstead Turnpike where you could park. But yeah, it's it's kind of a weird chaos right now. So if you can, um, if you know someone who lives nearby like me, and you want to park, you want to park here, well, walk there. I hear people are charging to park in the driveway in their driveways. Yeah, yeah I so. mean, it might as well be an entrepreneur that way and, and yeah. be smart. I like, uh, but like, I'm just imagining like you've all we've all seen food, like old old photos of like skyscrapers being built and people gentlemen having their lunches sitting on the pillars like, yeah, yeah. hanging off I'm like oh man i can't believe i got to see this new islanders game right here and just put that text over that because that's what it seems like it's an incomplete building with <laughs> more, incomplete parking official <laughs> oh, no, it's a beautiful place though if you do get to go check it out it's a really really beautiful arena uh, it's got a lot of the elements of horse racing obviously because of the belmont but yeah it's a very very beautiful place and uh definitely go if you get a chance i told Pete to try and work there, but he didn't want to. So I, it's too far for me. Yeah, it's a little bit. Of, it's, it's a little bit of a hike. It's, of a hike. Com- commuting from Jersey to the island is is torture. Let's be yeah, honest. It, yeah, it you is. Know. It's it's it would been a, it would have been a rough thing. And as you, always, we but. could blame Robert Moses for that. That SOB. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Second, Moses is a, is a real piece of shit. I yeah, you have to admit it. Uh, we Second full circle. We went real tri state right here. Second episode in a row. Second episode we're talking about Robert Moses because I want people to realize how big of an asshole this guy. <laughs> Was. He's just, I mean, he, he might be the biggest scumbag in the history of New York. Uh, he didn't want minorities to be able to come out to the beaches. That's why he built it this certain way so you couldn't have public transportation going out there. Oh my he's God. a real piece of shit. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah he was a bad guy. He was. It's fascinating was to read dude. about because you're like, oh my god, I can't believe there's a person who was essentially so powerful within the city, but so evil at the same time. Yeah, he terrible. Oh, such a terrible. That's guy. what mother, mother Edward Dwayne's motherless Brooklyn's all about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. break it down. Which was excellent movie, by the way. Oh yeah, excellent film. Excellent film. Oh. You had a chance to watch it because I love that movie. But yeah, yeah, um, Robert Mills is not a good dude. I don't know what else. <laughs> uh, he built some. The roads are pretty cool. I'll give him that. But I like I him. like the beach named after him. But yeah. that's beside it, that's beside the point. <laughs> it's just an, an, another bad person who got something named after him. Like, oh god. Yeah, I, that, I'm sure eventually that'll change. I'm we'll surprised see. it hasn't changed already. To be honest, I know, I know. But like Verizon Wireless's beach, like or something like that. <laughs> get, a, totally get a corporate good. sponsor and let's let's go there. Like this, uh, go full Jurassic World. We'll just lean into the satire at this point. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, oh, speaking of Jurassic World, this will be the last topic, guys. Did you guys see the the spot they did for the Olympics the, for the new Jurassic Park movie coming out? I did not. No, no. Right. It's pretty interesting. They have a bunch of different Olympic Winter Olympic athletes, and then they have the dinosaurs coming out and chasing the skiers at one point and stuff. It's an interesting little spot. And obviously, okay. with the Olympics going right now, it just started. Uh, they're gonna, you'll get a chance to see them more. But uh, yeah, I just you brought that up, and it just popped into my head. So, all right, Pete. No, sorry. Tim, we'll start with you. First, thanks for coming. And tell everyone where they can find you, talk to you, yell at you. <laughs> you all that is welcome. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why this sounded like Pulitzer guys. Like, all is welcome. All <laughs> is welcome. Go towards the light. Uh, if you want to find me in the light, you can find me both on Twitter and Instagram at this is Tim Rooney. Rooney spelled R-O-O-N-E-Y. Uh, my two podcasts I do on the reg. Uh, please rewind the RF4M, uh, a retro show. That's where uh, myself, Guy Milks, and a few other guests talk about movies when it comes to anniversaries. Right before we started this recording, I dropped our most recent episode. We talked about Reservoir Dogs for its 30th year anniversary. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next episode for the Anything Goes podcast, my m- more personal show, Guy Milks and I will be talking about Blue Ruin because we're huge fans of that movie and Jeremy Saldanay in general. Uh, and my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash through the lens productions through as if you're going through a door or window. My latest video up there is my Where's Smiling Sarah teaser trailer. That is my upcoming short film other than Batman Unmasked that I'm doing right now. It is a proof of concept for the feature film uh, of the same name. And I hope to be shooting that later this year. And yeah, I'm easy to find and easy to talk to when it comes to geek and pop culture. So don't hesitate to find me on social media. Yes, you, you can also find Tim on the the Real Fans for Real Movies uh, f- Facebook group. He's also yes. very active in there, so that it's a that's a great spot with a lot of just huge film buffs. Uh, you know, a lot of good discussion going on there. That is um, correct. I totally, I totally forgot about that. I feel like my plugs are going on a little long. Like, I'll right wait to hear this spiel. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me on social media. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Zack Snyder's favorite platform, Vero at pete illustrated you can follow this podcast the podcast you're listening to now at straight underscore o underscore g on instagram and twitter straight out of gotham we got a facebook group as well and a facebook fan page consider joining both uh, lots of great discussion and news going on there anything that pops up on twitter pops up on there so i like to spam you uh check out uh, at team yellow oval on twitter where i just celebrate the return of the yellow oval in comics and as we anticipate michael keaton's return to the role as well as the oval's return to the big screen since 1995 it's going to be exciting to see that in the flash uh check out uh the 
my second podcast, the Italian Spider-Man Coalition podcast at Italians for Spidey. I co-host that with the dynamic duo of Chicago, Nico and Nicholas Caruso. Happy birthday, Daddy Batman. Uh, I know it's a big weekend for you. Uh, don't forget to check out Batman on Film Proper as you can read my reviews of Detective Comics and my favorite TV show of all time, Batwoman. Uh, <laughs> check out Batman on Film YouTube. Check out my interviews with Michael Uslan, Tara Strong, and Kevin Conroy. Uh, Tony Todd, if you like horror, I interviewed him. Uh, Zoom yeah. and Dark Side himself and Candyman, so check that stuff out. And uh, just hit me up on Twitter. It's been fun to discuss. The Batman's coming. I can't wait. Oswald's going to take over the world, and uh, it's going to be a fun time. I always hate following him up because I have so much less to say. But you guys can check me out on Twitter at finally33, spell finale33, also on Instagram as well. As Pete mentioned, um, you can find my content as well on Batman on Film. I've reviewed Titans. I've also interviewed Jerry O'Connell and Rebecca Romaine and um, Rachel – I can't think of her name. Scarston. Yes, Rachel Scarston from mm-hmm. from uh, Batwoman, Pete's favorite show. Uh, Megan Tandy as well, who she was also – I interviewed her. She's also on Batwoman, so you guys can go check out those interviews listed there. Uh, look forward to my – if you are Nick fans, look forward to my upcoming Nick's podcast. I will be doing it with three other guys. We will be doing this The depression podcast. podcast. Yes, it's kind of a depressing one. After last season, yes, it's very depressing to be a Nick fan this year. So look out for that. It'll be dropping – Probably bef- after the All Star break, um, beginning of the second, the beginning of the second half of the season. So in a couple of weeks, we'll be dropping our first episode. I'm really looking forward to that. And yeah, just look out for extra other content that Pete and I have coming. Um, we have guests, obviously new guests every week. So if you want to see who's coming on next week, check Pete posted all the names so you can check out on Twitter and and check all those check all those names out. Tim, I want to thank you again for hopping on. Uh, any closing words? If your Nick's podcast doesn't have a, uh, a audio drop from Longest Yard, like yay, we suck again <laughs> in the beginning of your Nick's uh, season, I will be severely disappointed. <laughs> uh, no, uh, uh, again, thank you too for having me on. And it's weird because we, we're podcasting in the morning and into early afternoon. And I'm like, why is the sun up while I'm podcasting? It's kind of throwing me <laughs> off. So I usually do it at nighttime uh, during the week. So, yeah, it's um, my schedule's all thrown off, but I couldn't be happier for it. And, again, thank you for this opportunity and hope to be able to chat with you guys soon. Thank you, thank sir. You. Yeah, thanks thanks for coming, Tim, definitely. Uh, this was fun. And, uh, yo, let's do it again sometime. I look forward to it. <laughs> All right. So for Tim Rooney and Pete Vera, I am Eric Holzman. You are listening to Straight Out of Gotham, and we will see you next time. Booyah. <laughs>